Blog Talk Radio. The Miami Hurricanes stared adversity right in the eye for the second straight week on Saturday, and they didn't blink again. Down 14-3 early to Georgia Tech, Miami rallied back to make it 14-13 by halftime. Then after a disastrous start to the second half, when a surprise onside kick went astray and Georgia Tech returned it for a touchdown, the Hurricanes battled back from eight and then 11-point deficits to score the final 12, 12 points of the game to pull out the victory with four seconds left on the clock. It was a second straight miracle finish for the Hurricanes, who are now 5-0 and and ranked 7th in the coaches' poll and 8th in the AP poll. The Canes have landed there despite a lot of adversity for one primary reason. They simply have refused to back down. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. Over 100 open phone lines, as always. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one. 
that puts you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in that queue. And I'll give you a hint. I think there's a familiar name who's first again tonight after being beaten to the punch for the last few weeks. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, As always, we ask subscribers at canesport.com to post topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. A lot of real good ones this week. We'll get to them through the course of the show. Um, But first, I wanted to start out tonight with a quick review of what we witnessed on Saturday and what it might mean moving forward and also touch on a few of the hot buttons which have emerged in recent days that I'm sure are going to come up through the course of tonight's show. First, the game. Annual losses to Miami have been gnawing at Paul Johnson, who spent a great deal of time in the offseason scheming on how he might be able to beat Manny Diaz's defense. After Miami made it clear at the start that the interior of its defense was not going to allow the run up the middle, Johnson decided that it was time right then to roll out his major wrinkle of the year, which was a total shift of blocking schemes on outside runs to something Miami had never seen before. They hadn't seen it in person. They hadn't seen it on film. Now, you saw the Hurricanes getting gashed on consecutive series in the first quarter as Georgia Tech scored those two touchdowns to take the early lead. I imagine a bunch of you were panicking at that point. It looked pretty ugly. But Diaz and the defensive staff figured out what was happening, and they made adjustments. And from that point on, I'd say the first minute of the second quarter, Miami allowed just 142 yards of offense over those last three quarters, which was an amazing accomplishment against that Georgia Tech offense. So why then did the game go down to the final four seconds? Well, it's really pretty simple. The offense, which had 200 more yards than Georgia Tech, was horrendous on third down conversions in the game. And that meant a lot of failed possessions and settling for four field goals if you count the game winner at the end. Then, of course, there was the controversial onside kick that went all wrong to start the second half that spotted Georgia Tech seven points on its own. So even though the Hurricanes were relatively dominant through the final three quarters of the game, it went down to the wire. Now let's talk for a moment about the onside kick because I've seen a lot of opinions about it. I'm sure it's going to come up tonight. And quite frankly, I've seen Mark Richt very disrespected from people inside the program, people outside the program about his decision to take that risk and go for that onside kick to start the second half. And, you know, here's what I'm going to say. Coaches, I mean, they spend dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of hours watching game film, breaking it down, looking for little openings like what they saw on Georgia Tech's kickoff return team. They tested the onside kick on the practice field. They were confident that they would get the formation that they needed in the game to try the kick. Michael Badgley was good at hitting the ball just right so that it would pop skyward. The plan was that 
when the ball was kicked and it popped up in the air, Braxton Berrios would catch it running full speed, and it would be a huge momentum-changing play in a game that Miami was losing at the time. And what is the point of preparing for a game with that level of detail if you don't have the guts, if you don't have the cojones? Let's just say it outright. If you don't have the balls to make that call. Mark Rick had it on Saturday. Now, people are saying that it was the wrong time to call for the onside kick. Well, when is the so-called right time to do it? Exclusively in the final moments of a game when everybody's anticipating it? No. You make a call like that when it's least expected or when you think it's least expected. Do... People in the Canes Nation really want a head coach who's scared to make a call like that? I don't get it. Now, obviously, Michael Badgley mishit the kick. It bounced in the wrong direction, which was a total fluke. And at that point, there was nobody home to stop what happened. But it was such a remote possibility when the play was drawn up that I'm sure it probably was never even considered. So, yeah, it backfired. Yeah, it almost cost Miami the game in the end. But when Mark Rick made that call, there was no idea how the second half would play out. Miami was losing. Miami was playing without six starters. And the Canes were playing a team adept at controlling the clock and limiting offensive possessions. They had no idea what other wrinkles Paul Johnson might have in his back pocket for the second half, that he could roll out and create more havoc for Miami like he did in the first quarter when he took that 14-3 lead. So Mark Rick took a gamble. And he tried to steal a possession. I give him credit for it. I applaud him for being aggressive. I hope he doesn't listen to anybody. I hope he never changes. I think the Canes are fortunate to have a coach going for it in those moments. So don't play the result and criticize it. That's what I would say. All right, now another point that I've been hearing a lot about. Brad Kaya was cut this morning by the Carolina Panthers. And that has re-inspired comments that Malik Rozier is a better quarterback than Brad Kaya, and that that proves it, and that is why Miami is undefeated at this point in the season. But let's point out that for three years, Kaya was the chosen starter over Rozier. It was never in question, nor was it ever in question that he would start over anybody else in the program, and it was not without reason. It was because the coaches determined that he was the best quarterback in the program. Now, Malik Rozier is not going to wow anybody with his individual talent, but he is maximizing what he can do and is giving the Hurricanes more so far this season than anybody could have ever expected from him. So I'll ask a simple question. Why does the fact that Rozier has done that have to mean that he's better than Kaya? Why is it pertinent? It's a different approach having a quarterback who runs 10, 15 times a game. It's working thus far. But that doesn't mean that if Kaya were the quarterback and they were running different plays those 10, 15 times, or Kaya was throwing to backs or receivers on those 15 plays, that the results wouldn't have been equal or superior. So I say leave the Kaya-Rosier debate alone. They are two different quarterbacks with two different hurricane teams. And totally different sets of circumstances. Now, 
One more. There's a similar conversation taking place regarding Mark Walton and Travis Homer, who had 170 yards on Saturday against Georgia Tech in his first game as a starter. Now, Homer has been beyond exceptional, beyond exceptional, in every single thing he's been asked to do this season. On top of what he's done first as a backup running back and then as a starter on Saturday, he's also Miami's best special teams player. But why does his success have to equate to disrespect of Mark Walton, who's hurt right now, who only was universally acclaimed as the best running back in the ACC coming into the season. Why not just celebrate the accomplishments of Travis Homer without having to equate it to him being so-called better than Mark Walton? You know, that's a matter of personal opinion. You can argue it all day, but why does it have to be an argument? Like, why, why does that have to be an issue? Why does one necessarily have to be proclaimed better than the other? And if you are going to pro- proclaim somebody ahead of the other, why wouldn't it be the guy that's been starting the last two seasons? The guy who the head coach has said might be the most complete football player he's ever coached in all his years as a head coach. The guy that they picked to be the starting running back this season who was getting the lion's share of the rushing attempts until he was hurt. Just my thoughts on those issues. I'm sure it's going to come up in your calls as we go forward. So with that, let's go out to your calls. Like I said, I'll get to the more of the questions and topics that were posted on the message boards as we go through the show tonight. I'm sure it's going to be a very lively show. People have been very fired up and justifiably so. Kane's 5-0. and They've won 10 games in a row. An amazing accomplishment considering where they are right now in the Mark Rick era and rebuild of the program. And make no mistake, this is still very much a work in progress. This is the beginning, folks. And as good as 5-0 and feels, um, I think it's important that everybody understand that. This is far from a finished product. But these kids are going out there. They're battling. Okay, They won't back down, like we said at the beginning of the show. And they're making plays in the fourth quarter and winning the close games that they lost a year ago. They lost all their close games last year. This year they're winning them. Hopefully it continues beginning this Saturday with Syracuse. So the number, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out to a familiar place in the 845 where I'm pretty sure it's Greg. Welcome to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing good. I'm fired up, man. Yeah, I see that. Like, there's a lot of this, lot of this stuff going on. It's got me all, all like hyped. Okay, now I've been reading your responses on the message boards about Homer. Okay. And first of all, I, I hope you're reading my responses, you, and not, I, I hope you're reading my responses, Greg, and not what people have been posting. I said because there's a big difference. Oh no, no, no! I'm reading your responses. Yeah, um, right, you say that we need Homer for nine more games. That means we're in the national championship game. Well, no, um, I'm anticipating. Yes, we have six more. 
All right, you're right. My mistake. You're my my mistake. My math's off. You're right. I was for some. I was just. I forgot. I wasn't thinking about Arkansas State being canceled. You're absolutely right. They need them for eight. You're right. They need them for eight more games. Okay, so we'll lose in the semifinals. Then. Okay, whatever. No, no, no. no I'm big. figuring ACC title game. So we have six more and if, regular season you know, and, 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 and if they're, if, if, they're in the, if they're in the semifinals, and a ball the game, and a ball game. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I got you. Anyway, do you? Craig, here's my thinking on Homer. Let me let me just clarify this for people listening, okay. and you know whatever. Here, here's my thinking. Okay, I don't know who, whatever gave some people the idea that this is a big, you know, thick kid. He's not a big thick kid. He's gotten bigger since he arrived, rel- a relatively skinny running back as a true freshman. He has put on muscle through the weight program, but he's not thick like Mark Walton. Like if, if, and, and if you put them next to each other, people would probably understand better. But like my feeling is this. This is not a kid that's going to hold up, or I shouldn't say it definitively. This is not a kid who has a probability of holding up if he has to absorb – you know, 20 carries worth of pounding every single game. Now, does, does, just because that's my opinion, does, does it A, mean I'm 100% right? No, of course not. It's an opinion. Does it mean that if he does carry 20 times like he did in the last game, that he's definitely going to get beaten up and, and, you know, potentially hurt or whatever? No. But, you know, it, it's just an opinion based on where he is physically right now. And, um, you know, that's what I threw out there. I said, I hope – that they can get enough out of Chalk, Travis Gray, or Trayon Gray, rather, to not have to overuse Homer and not beat him up. Because I happen to think he's extremely valuable on special teams, and that taking him off those kick coverage teams weakens those teams. And a bad kick coverage or something can be the difference in – a, in a game or two, like, you know, we're just sitting here assuming all these games. I mean, you've seen games against average teams are going down to the wire. Okay. Florida state maybe is a little bit above average, but, but you know, the, Georgia tech's an average team. They're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. These games are going down to the wire. What do you think's going to, what's the probability of what's going to happen against Virginia tech and Notre Dame and, and I still think, you know, Clemson probably finds a way to get to the, to that game. What, you know, what do you think those games are going to be like? And like the drop off is so significant. If Travis Homer is not healthy, that it might be devastating to the offense. So I'm just, when I make those, those comments, I'm thinking big picture. I'm hoping that gray can contribute something much more than he did the other day with one carry. Um, and that Travis Homer doesn't have to do it all himself. Now, I, I'm sure that that's more the plan. The other day, they were in a tight game. They were losing from the beginning. Travis was playing unbelievably. They couldn't take him out. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they just didn't have a choice. They, they couldn't take him out. He was playing so well that you weren't removing him from that game. But, you know, hopefully in some of these games going forward, they can get a contribution from Gray. Maybe even DJ Dallas can give him a few plays at some point. But, uh, you know, that, that's the only point I was making. I wasn't making any commentary on Travis Homer's ability or trying to compare him to Mark Walton or anything like that. I mean, you know, you're talking about a kid that was the backup running back who was getting three carries a game until Mark Walton got hurt. That tells you what the coaches think. So, you know, as good as he's doing, they felt Mark Walton was better. I wasn't trying to enter into that debate um, or get, you know, trapped into that. I was just saying that this is a kid that's not, 
to me, not physically built to take excessive pounding like that. He's a very physical runner. He doesn't shy away from contact. Um, he takes a lot of pounding when he runs the ball. And so I was hoping that somebody else could help take some of those reps. So just to clarify, that's what I said. Okay. A Murph Baldwin, that guy who writes for your website, inferred that Mark Walton did not produce against quality teams in his article this week. Yeah, he must be friends with Kate, with, uh, with, with King from the message boards. Now, okay. I, will, I will say this, Greg. He did not put up the numbers against the top teams on the schedule last year like he did against some other teams. You know, right. and, and same thing this year, you know, quite honestly. He, you know, he didn't right. put up big, big, big numbers against Florida State or Duke. Right. Well, he was hobbled. You have to give him that. Yeah. Walton but, was hobbled. But, but, you know, the bottom line is he didn't put up numbers. He carried 12 times against okay. FSU for, for 25 net yards, average two yards a carry, you know, which, which give, you know, some of those guys on the message boards that want to make that case, it gives them fodder, no doubt about it. You know, against Duke, he went 17 for 51. So, you know, I mean, that's what people like Murph are looking at. Okay. Now let's move on to another subject. I want to give – Props to Trent Harris. That guy makes a lot of plays, even though nobody talks about him. I think he's he's done more for this program than than Chad Thomas. What do you think about that? You could, yeah. I mean, it's funny because Mark D'Onofrio loved Trent Harris. And, you know, he's always been a guy that, you know, really probably didn't get the credit from the outside world, from the fan base, from the media. Uh, but he just keeps making plays. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to send him to the bench. I mean, he just, he just keeps making plays. Right. Do you think we'll see more nickel packages this week against this team? Cause they got a hell of an uh, aerial attack. How are I'm you not sure what cover I'm up not sure what Robert Knowles this week. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's they feel he's ahead of Amari Carter, Greg. I mean, it, it's you know it, you're not going to find a perfect world in the secondary. Hopefully, Redwine comes back this week. I think he will. Um, you know that'll help a little bit. Not that he's a finished product of safety by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, like I said, this is far from a finished team. I mean, this is not you know, a great secondary situation right now. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what coverages Manny's going to use. And if I did know, I'd get assassinated for talking about it on the show. But, um, you know, obviously pass defense is going to be very important in this game. Uh, I think we could could safely say that. Right. My next question is, uh, watching the game on television – where were the 55,000 people in that stadium? Were they all underneath? No, they're giving getting a beer or something or getting something to eat? Because that, no. that, that stadium did not have 55,000 people. No, I think they it's actually announced They may have announced 57 even. I'm, um, okay, I'm trying to remember. Let me, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the sheet to see if it's on there. But um, I, I think they actually said – may have said 57. <laughs> but – you know, here's the thing, and I'm all uh, yeah, fifty-five seven ninety-nine. But um, it was actually this was actually one of the questions that was submitted uh, on the message boards for the show, so I, I might as well address it right now. Uh, I, I think 
you know, number one, that when they announced those things, they announced tickets sold. Okay. And right. but, but believe it or not, I mean, in terms of tickets sold, that's probably an accurate number. I mean, the ticket sales went very, very well. And I know the Notre Dame game's about sold out. Um, I think Virginia Tech's doing very well. But um, so that's one thing. They definitely weren't announcing uh, fannies and seats. And, and I think there's a couple things at play. I think that there's people with tickets, them tickets through their businesses to support the program and or buy tickets that aren't using all their tickets or aren't using their tickets at all. I think that's number one. I think there's, there's a no-show issue for some of these games. And I, I also think an equal issue is the fact, Greg, that there's the stadium clubs. I, I, have, you be, have you been to the new Hard Rock? I know you live up north. Yeah, I was there last year. Okay. Did you get a chance to go into the club, any of the club areas? I don't know what kind of tickets you had. Did you have or no, did you just have regular? Okay. All right. Well, they have club areas, okay? They have one on the north side, which is which people between the I think it's between the 35 yard lines have their tickets give them access to the north side stadium club. It's underneath the stands. And then of course there's several of them on the home side where, you know, all the people in the middle of the field and uh, and a lot of the other ticket holders have access to uh, you know the the Golden Canes, the Hurricane Club members, they have access to to those stadium clubs. There's there's two or three of them on the home side. They're really nice, okay. And I I think what's happening is people are spending a lot of time in the clubs. You know they they pay extra money for those tickets to give them access to the clubs. They've got bars in there. They've got um, upgraded food and beverage. Uh, I mean they're they're really really nice and. I think that, you know, a lot of these people that are spending money for those tickets are going into the clubs and hanging out for a portion of the game. And it may, it makes the stands in the middle of the field look empty when they do that. And I think it really okay. shows up at ha- you know, right before this halftime and right after the halftime at the beginning of the third quarter in particular, when those areas are like almost empty because everybody's in the clubs. So it's like, it's a catch 22. They've made the stadium a lot nicer, but people are spending a lot of time in the clubs. All right. I've got one last point on recruiting. My friend was at the Cardinal Gibbons American heritage game last week. And he was speaking to Mike Rumpf. We are not out of the Patrick Sertain recruiting. Mike Rumpf, talks to Patrick Sertain's father almost every day. They're almost best friends. So I don't think we're out of it, despite what, what the, what's being shown on these message boards. What, do you have well, any I, has anybody said that they're out of it? I don't think anybody said they're out of it. Well, he, he wasn't in his top six or something. Well, there's just out. no indication that he's going to Miami. It, I, I mean – I, I would totally agree that they're continuing to work it hard, um, but there's just never be, ever been any sign that he's going to Miami. There's no sign so, Jeff Thomas was going to Miami either, right? Oh, Until no doubt. End. Until the end, right? It happens, absolutely. They weren't even really recruiting Jeff Thomas that hard. Right. I remember you know, we saw him down at the underarm again. Correct. Yep. And it really wasn't, it wasn't until after the Under Armour game that he really, that Jeff Thomas really blew up. I mean, his biggest choice was, I think, was Illinois at that time. 
And he did well at the Under Armour game. So other guys started recruiting him a little heavily, including Miami. And Miami, you know, that last month did a great job with him. And they got him to come down. All right, Gary. Uh, I hope that I'm going to get up to that Carolina game and then come down for Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. So oh, good for you. Those, yeah, those, those will be uh, those are going to be special games, no doubt about it. I mean, Virginia Tech and Notre uh-huh. Dame are real teams. You know, they're real teams, uh, and, and right, you know they, 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 they should they should be good games. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the time. All right, Greg. Thank you as always for getting us started off. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out now to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you tonight? Doing great. Who's this? Adam. Hey, what's up, Adam? Welcome back. Uh, thanks. A couple things. One, after thinking about it, Rick, did the onside kick last year against Notre Dame, and it worked. I think it was just dumb luck that it didn't work. And I was thinking about it more and more, even though, like, on TV, Rod Gilmore blasted him for it. I don't know if you saw the TV broadcast. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people about, blasted him for yeah. it. No, but yeah, I understand why he did it now, thinking about it, because in Georgia Tech, against Georgia Tech, you don't really get the ball. It's not going to be like this week where Syracuse has an offense similar to Toledo, I would say. Do you agree with that? Absolutely agree with it. It, 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 was, it, it was part of the game plan to try to steal a possession. Yeah. And I thought Miami did a great job on that quarterback, Marshall, because I saw him run wild against – and Miami just – I don't think he really had a good run all day. I mean, they gashed us on the sides, but I can't remember Marshall really having any big runs against us. No, they did a great job. Uh, really, other than those outside runs in the first quarter that, yeah. like I said earlier, they, it, it was a blocking scheme that they had never seen before and weren't mm-hmm. prepared for, and yeah. they, had to, they had to adjust to it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they, I mean, they did a great job. He only had – he had 19 carries in the game – for a net of 18 yeah. yards. I mean, that is unbelievable. Wow. That is a phenomenal does that job. Also, but does that also include the sack? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's rushing sack. Yeah, you know. okay. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, okay. it, yeah. But, I mean, if, if you take out the, the, the tackles for a loss, he had yeah. 17 carries for 38 yards. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, Pretty I good. Mean, a couple questions. A couple things. The only things I have concerns with Rick in the play calling was, and this definitely, and this was a problem last year. Um, like after we got the Thomas catch down to the three, do we not have like big enough lockers to just go like jumbo set down at the goal line? So we don't no. have to settle for a three. They, okay. they really don't like, that's not their game. I mean, power football is not their game. I don't think. I'm not yeah. saying that they could have or could have not with, with Georgia Tech, but, I mean, that's not yeah. their strength. I mean, this is not a power-blocking yeah. offensive line. It's, it's a finesse it, it's offensive just, line. Yeah. It's just frustrating when we got first and goal at the three and had to settle for three. Mm-hmm. That, that's more like we don't have the big guys down where we can just pull and get, like, a three-yard run. Yeah, I mean, it's a weakness. It's a weakness of the team. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually think, and maybe this is me just being cynical, I think we're still like a year or two away from being Miami, what people are starting to expect of Miami. I'm surprised, actually, we're doing this well this quickly under Rick. Well, you're doing this well because the schedule is favorable. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, let's, I mean let's, let's, let's be regard- honest. I mean, it's a favorable schedule. But beating FSU on the road is never easy. I don't Huge. care what their record says. It, it, it wasn't easy. And then coming back against a totally different type of offense that you only have a week to prepare for when they're off for two weeks. And all the pundits saying Miami's going to let down and we get a win like that, I think is huge. I don't know what it was with Miami Miami teams against Atlanta teams this week going down to the wire, both the Canes and the Dolphins. But the schedule's favorable, Um, and and they're making the breaks in the fourth quarter. They're doing a great job in the fourth quarter. And as much as anything, if you want to credit the coaching staff, yeah, the way they're coaching the entire roster uh, and what they're getting yeah. out of the second and third team kids. It's amazing. Um, just an amazing yeah. job of coaching, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and this, on this, that, Mark, this, this is a team that's got a lot of holes and a lot of question marks. Yeah. And they're, and they're yeah. winning despite it. Yeah, Th- that's great. But it's going to give me a heart attack. I think it'll give some fans heart attacks if they do this. Nah, enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, anything they do is going to be great. Whether it's yeah. it's um, you know, nine and two or ten and one or eleven and zero. Yeah. I mean, all those are good. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. 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 A, a couple other questions. When we got down there, and I saw Rozier was trying to throw fades to Harley and Thomas. Why not when you're trying to throw fades, like put Cager and Langham? Because then you could throw it up, and then they can just go get it, like Langham did on the fourth and ten. Instead of well, having like a five-eight guy like Harley try to go up and get it against Austin. Yeah, this was this was one of the questions that was submitted on the message boards, also. So we, it's good, I guess, that we're addressing this now. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think matching personnel to the play calls. Yeah, was was lacking at some stages of the game. Um, you know, somehow those things weren't getting lined up, and it was mm-hmm. probably a it was probably a communication thing with the coaches. That's what I'm guessing. Okay, they would never say that. Okay, but I mean, yeah. the fact that we're all seeing it and that we all noticed it probably means yeah. that that they were aware of it. So, you know, yeah. but I'll say this. I, you know whether they're right or wrong about this. They think those yeah. smaller receivers can execute those plays. Like I don't think that they they don't think that they could have thrown that that you know those balls Harley. Now I I mean yeah. You know, well, like I said, whether they're right or wrong, whether you agree or I agree, which we probably yeah. both don't agree. You know yeah. I, I you know I personally don't. I, I haven't seen any evidence yet that Mike Harley okay. is an outside receiver. I mean he looks like a slot receiver to me, but. Uh, you know, yeah. Again, well, so it doesn't does mean Jeff. it doesn't mean we're it doesn't mean we're right or wrong. Or, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. you know it's our opinions. But I'm guessing, like I said, that they yeah. they just were not getting personnel matched up to the play calls. Okay, because I would have thought, and this was on the first possession when they tried, I think, two fades in a row to Harley that failed. That Langham could have gone up better against Austin or whoever oh, the Georgia course. Tech back was. Because I think Austin's at five eleven and Langham's what six four six five. 
Yeah, I mean, of course he, he yeah. would have been a better matchup. Yeah. Um, and a couple um, questions on recruiting. Um, do you know if we're going after Chatfield? I, I, and I think there was an article that we're now going after Benito, but are we also going after Chatfield at this point not, from Aquinas? Not, not sure. I, I, don't, I, uh, I, mean, okay. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Okay, and what what can you tell me about this uh, C-tackle out of Vegas, um, this guy who we just got an offer from, this kid Wade? Is he serious about Miami? Because um, I know he's got Brett and Jordan. About him. Um, I, I think they're very serious about him. I, you know, I, I think that they, you know, they think he's like uh, uh, another Calais Campbell-type kid. How wow. serious he is about Miami remains to be seen. Uh, okay. And um, a lot of they, they, and, they put out a lot of offers this week to defensive linemen. They they obviously had a film session yeah. um, mm-hmm. where they did a lot of evaluation of defensive linemen and mm-hmm. put out several offers in the last week. Uh, okay. Well, it's also good because we get don't we get Willis back next year as well? That's the plan. Yeah. Um. And um. Last question. Do you think um, we'll start because, and this happened even last week, Robert Knowles got beat again in the third quarter. I don't know whose fault that was, but on a pass to Ricky June that set up that field goal, Ricky June just dusted Knowles. And this was one of Marshall's few pass completions. I don't know if he, he at times just looks lost out there. And maybe I'm just being overly critical. What do you think? No, you're not. He struggles. No, I mean, but they obviously feel he's further along than Amari Carter. So he's all they have, man. If Red White's hurt, I mean, it's either him or Finley or Carter. And obviously they feel what about based on what based on what they've seen in practice, is further along. What about Derek Smith? Or is he the other? They, they clearly he don't think he's. Yeah, they clearly don't think he's ready. Like, you know. Okay. Let me put it this way. Physically, based on pure raw ability that I've seen, yeah. uh, Derek, Derek Smith and Amari Carter are the two best. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, that doesn't mean they're ready. They're true freshmen. Yeah. And um, last question. Was there any truth to that ESPN report that D. Delaney's out, I think, like six to eight weeks? Because we that don't was think on so. Game day last week. Yeah, we don't think so. It was vehemently denied by everybody associated with the program. But okay. you know, he was on a bike today, and you know, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know if it'll be this week, next week. And I don't want to say they were definitely wrong because if it ends up being six weeks, then they were right. They but, were, uh, yeah. But I don't think anybody thinks right now that it's going to be six weeks. Okay. And my last question: I had asked you a question last week. Um, about Mark Walton redshirting, did you didn't find out if he was eligible for a redshirt this year? Did you? I don't think he ever redshirted. So, oh, but, oh, no, I I, I, is he eligible this year? I don't yeah. think so, but I don't. I but I don't know. No, I haven't had a chance to check that out yet. Okay, because I'm thinking if he comes back next year as a redshirt junior, how stacked yep. our running back core is going to be with Lingard and Davis and potentially this kid Alice coming in. 
Yeah, honestly though, Adam, I, I don't think it really matters because if he if he does come back next year, I don't think he'd be I don't think he'd come back for yet another year after that anyway. So. Okay. We'll see. No, I mean, what I'm saying is, I don't think it matters yeah. if he redshirts. If, yeah. if he if he okay. if he gets labeled a redshirt this year, I don't think is relevant. Okay, so you don't think he'd come back for a fifth year? No, I don't think so. I mean, I okay. think he wanted to go and, out this year after his third year. Uh, okay. Yeah, and you don't think he will now because of the injury? I don't see how he can. I mean, I'm not saying he won't because these guys make dumb decisions all the time. I mean, look at Brad Kaya. He never should have gone out. We talked about it before no. he even made the decision. Had no business going out, but he decided to go out. Joe, the Joe only Yerby one it, didn't have any business going thing. out. Yeah. Yeah. So these kids, I mean, make, David these, these kids make bad decisions, so we can't predict what he'll do yeah. or won't do. But he shouldn't go out. Yeah, but but the thing about Kaya getting cut, people forget Ken Dorsey wasn't a great NFL quarterback, neither was Gino Toretta. Success in college is not going to predicate your success in the NFL. I mean, there's been many great UM quarterbacks who weren't great NFL quarterbacks, no offense. Ken Dorsey was one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. But right. he really didn't do much in the NFL. Same with he didn't Gino translate Toretta. to the NFL, correct? As most yeah. of them don't. Yeah. So I, I can't see how people are saying that because Kaya got cut, Rozier is better. I think Rozier is quicker than Kaya, like when he runs the quarterback draws. But they're different types of quarterbacks. I also think totally, Kaya has totally different. That, yeah, and I think Kaya has a bigger arm strength than Rozier. And Rozier, nope. I love Rozier. I love his moxie. But And this was a problem with Kaya last year. He's just so inconsistent. And he's not – and I'd like to see him this week, like, get off to a better start. Because even this week, it took him, like, a quarter and a half to really get going. With his throw. All right, Adam. You got anything else to say? All right. No, sorry for ranting. Have a good no, you're rest good. of the show. Thank, thank, thanks for being part of the show, man. Appreciate it as always. All right, 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? It's uh, Everything 305 calling once again. What's up, man? How you doing this week? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Um, uh, I, I wanted to point out that even though the stadium, as your first caller alluded to, was it didn't appear to be packed. That's some of the mo- that's some of the best crowd noise we've had, other than the FSU games. I, I really felt there was a lot of energy in the stadium, and when that rain came, boy, it was just like it, it was it was electric. The way the stadium just came alive and. It was uh, it was hard for our office to be able to call their own plays. I mean, they had to go to nonverbal cadence at, at times in the second half. So yeah, Mark Rick said really that today. He said that. Yep. He he thought the crowd was a big factor in the game. Um, and and I, I want to piggyback on that, Gary, and just remind everybody that's out there that's within this area to get their butts into the stadium and let's go support these kids once again. Uh, we can we we obviously have an we obviously have an impact on the game and. Uh, it's a shame not to have this sucker totally filled, but let's get it 
as filled up as we can this Saturday. I think that's a good challenge for for this loyal fan base to uh, to get after. What do you think? Oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, I think the crowds are going to be great for Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. I'm not sure. You know, I don't think people coming into the season were real fired up about Syracuse. So I don't know, you know, if the fact that they beat Clemson will inspire people to come out or not. I mean, I'm sure they got over 50,000 seats sold. question is, are people going to show up? After watching them uh, play, I, I saw them play against Middle Tennessee State. Saw a little bit of highlights from that, and I, I saw them their game against Syracuse uh, against Clemson at Syracuse, and I think uh, they probably played the best game that they played in, in, in under under that head coach's regime since he got there. But um, what scares me about them is, man, they're so aggressive on defense. They're just coming after you, coming after you, coming after you, coming after you. They just don't stop. Uh, they're willing to give up a big play here and there, which they did against Clemson. But here they're very aggressive. They take a lot of shots. And uh, it's a big challenge for, for Coach Heroes and our offensive line. I, I think they got their work cut out for them this week. Uh, it, it's, a, it's not as a, an aggressive defense as, as a predominantly big and athletic defense as Florida State's defense is. But, man, they're aggressive, and they take a, they take a lot of shots at you. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, our interior line, especially with uh, you know, having Navon not being able to play again this week, it looks like, I hope they're up for the challenge. Well, it's one of the areas of the team that we know is challenged to begin with. So, I mean, obviously, Syracuse is going to come down here looking to exploit that matchup a little bit. So we'll see. No question. No question. And, and, and Gary, you know, I, I, it's one thing I wanted to point out. Um, you keep hearing all this uh, rhetoric about uh, being ranked in the top ten and being this and being that. I, I just want us to go back to where we were three weeks ago, focus on going one week at a time. And yeah, anything else will take care of itself later on to say that we belong in the top ten, that we're this, that we're that. Listen, let's just go one week at a, t- at a time here because what this team has, has I'm not going to say they've mastered, but they've proven that they've done well given adversity, you know, storm, relocation, practicing, uh, having a brutal game at FSU, losing all these players, everybody in America – you know, telling you you're going to lose, and then they find a way with the kids that that, that you know step up. The third and second, third, fourth stringers coming in and stepping up and contributing, and it's just like this team continues to find a way, which is great. Um, but I, I don't think we need to go ahead and and and, and uh, speculate where we're headed. Let's just take take care of this week, and when after that we'll celebrate hopefully, and then we'll go on to the next week. I just uh, I don't want people to to put too much pressure on these kids either. Let's enjoy the moment more than anything. I mean, uh, these kids are playing uh, at a phenomenal level. And uh, I, I know some people have not been happy with some of the play calling that, that CMR's had, uh, especially this past week and some of his decisions. And I was listening to Gino Toretto today on the radio, and he, he mentioned, uh, you know, how some of some of the Hall of Fame kids and Doug Tees were not happy with some things that were going on. But that's just part of the game. You know, that's just part of everything. At the end of the day, um, I, I like that CMR is not afraid. Uh, you don't want someone that's not sure of themselves. He's he's going to go after things. And that's the that's that's almost the mantra of this program is we're going to go out there and kick your ass. We don't care. And I, and I think that that's starting to come back a little bit. But I like that our head coach – he possesses that trait. He's not afraid of the moment. He's he's ready to take advantage and take the moment. Um, unlike our our previous head coach, who was you know concerned with other issues, but uh, I, I think he's he's setting a precedent with these kids. And maybe, just maybe, 
They're probably practicing that way every day, and maybe, just maybe, it's becoming habit, you know, to, to get after things and, and, and to not be not to be passive, you know, and to be sure of yourself. And the mentality, I think, that he's, he's transferring to these kids is, is huge, Gary. Well, you know, you, you brought up the play calling, so – let me take the, the moment. There were, there, were, there were several questions that were submitted on the message boards about play calling and about the offense. So let me kind of just take a moment here. Don't hang up because I'm sure you have other things you want to say. I just, I, I just think it would be a good time since you brought it up sure. to kind of ad- address them a little bit. And, and um, you know, the poster said, you know, why don't we see more passing downfield to the tight ends and wide receivers? Uh, the bubble screens work this week, especially late but this will get old real fast moving forward. That was one, that, that, that was one question that came in, and uh, I thought it was a great question, and I, I think it starts with Amon Richards being out or hobbled for most of the season so far and not wanting to ask Malik Rozier to do too much and start turning the ball over. And it really has worked so far to a point except on third down. And, um, you know, Miami was 4 of 12 on third down against Duke. They were 7 of 17 on third down against Florida State, and they were 2 of 12 on third down against Georgia Tech. That's 13 of 41, or 31% on third down over the last three games, and that's not real good. Um, And I think that an ability to throw the ball downfield and be more aggressive on early downs, you know, maybe has something to do with that. Now, if you're a coach like Mark Richt and you're attacking this clear problem because I think you know when if you look at it at the three games it's it's clearly a problem and it was never worse than it was Saturday against Georgia Tech uh, you're thinking okay how can I solve the third down problem well I want to be in more manageable third down situations so when a coach starts thinking that you know I don't want to be third and long I want to be third and four third and three then they get more conservative in their play calling on first and second down. And it can work. It can work, have an opposite effect sometimes of what they think they're going to get. So um, I think that there's a lot of factors involved. I, I think that a big thing is that I think it looks to me like he doesn't want to ask Malik Razier to do things that he doesn't feel are his strength and he doesn't feel really good about. And, and that's why with Amon Richards out, uh, I, I think that we're, we're we're seeing less passes down the field, and Mark Rick being a little bit more selective in his play calling. And um, the other question that came in dealt with, you know, why the team is having such slow offensive starts and then seems to turn it on in the fourth quarter. And you know, I think the same thing applies there. You know, just playing it close Absolutely. to the best, running Absolutely. a relatively vanilla offense and putting the team in a position to win with the personnel that they have right now. He's just, he's not trying to to the strength of your defense is what you're doing, Gary, at many instances, what you're doing by playing it close to the best. That way, you know that your defense can bail you out. So you're playing to that strength, but, but most importantly, the personnel that you mentioned that who was, he's not been consistently there all season. He's been able to contribute here and there. And I think that puts another layer because that's the one guy that, you know, that that safety, there's going to be two people with that guy. That opens up someone else. And in many cases, you're shifting your entire coverage out there. So not having him has impacted everything, and I think your explanation is perfect. It's on the money. To ask Malik, who, as when, you, when CMR describes him, he's a streaky quarterback, right? He's streaky. 
the, the, the big thing with him, he's got so much energy, he never enters, enters a game in, in, in a comfortable zone. He's always, you know, he's, he's excited. He's, he's overly excited in many cases, and he, he's not planting his feet. He's rushing everything. And I think that's what he sees in practice every day. It's not something that just happens during game day. Uh, that's just that, and that's why he characterized him as being a streaky quarterback. So he's going to play things close to the best, like you're mentioning. The best weapon you have is not there. And in many cases, if you were to go through the last three games and take every third down possession, every third down possession, what are you, what are you going to notice? You're going to notice almost max protect in most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of when we were at Florida State the last two third downs, when he went full spread, and we, I mean, heck, he called two draws. I mean, how many people call, two, call a draw in that formation? I mean, I mean uh, something that, that's against the grain. So he has to play things this way because, honestly, Malik is just not consistent enough as a passer in terms of his accuracy. He just isn't. Um, there's some passes, Gary, and he had, he, had one, he had one guy. I think it was Deontay Mullins' first, uh, first play that he, he threw him the ball. He was like maybe five yards away. He threw him a bullet, you know. And so, again, he, he's, he's just not there. He's a streaky kid. And luckily at the end, he's playing his best. Uh, but I, I think you mentioned some great points um, with regards to where we're at offensively and, and where are we going to go. I, I don't know. I'm hoping that we can get a run game established a little bit sooner in the, sooner in the game. It appears that we had good chemistry. Uh, but, again, Gary, it's just – we're not a power running team. We're not going to be a power running team. No, and and you know the other thing is there were a couple times when Mark Rick tried to go down the field and and and, and I remember two occasions at least that he threw interceptions trying to throw the ball down the field. That's not yeah. his strength. I, yeah. I mean, clearly not his strength. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember those two plays. There was one in the well, Duke one, game. One I think the one Duke, in the Florida one, State game. One, yeah, one against Duke and one against Florida State. And, and in yeah. both instances, total he rush. Overthrew them. He was in a rush. He's in a rush. And he overthrew it. And, 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 and he overthrew it. So, yeah, so again, it, and it's, I hate to say this, because you know, the kid's no longer here, and I wish him nothing but the best. He's a great kid. And, uh, you know, Brad was similar with him last year. You know, he only played for CMR for one year, but he was, he was very antsy to start. Everything was like, hey, just set your feet and relax. But then again, you know, Sunday I turned on, the, I turned on my television, and I, and I watched Jake Cutler do the same damn thing in some instances, except he's got a cannon. So I, I would like to see them get a little bit better there. But um, one word that I've heard uh, from all these experts that we, we see on TV, we read on the message boards and all that, is, is their, their ability to overcome adversity. And, 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 again, that's why I keep mentioning, Gary, this starts with CMR. But um, the kids, I think the kids are pretty much almost like policing themselves, uh, especially on the defensive end. I, I, I really like the way that that – that front seven is playing. They're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and they were getting beat on that perimeter pitch with, with Georgia Tech. But eventually they were able to shed those, ta- those, those blocks and did a nice job of shearing out of there and, and getting the guys under, under control. But, man, that is the strength of this team, Gary. I, I don't think there's anything that we can say that, that goes against it. No, not at all. They, they, they did a great job the other day. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Paul Johnson had a wrinkle to his offense that he had never shown before. They'd never seen it in a game. They'd never seen it, seen it um, on film. And he, he rolled it out in the middle of the first quarter, and he got, he got two touchdowns out of it. Uh, I mean, brilliant coaching on his part. Let's give him credit where credit's due. Otherwise, they, no get, blown out in that, they get totally blown out in that game because Miami dominated the last three quarters. But um, 
you know, you're expecting the front seven to, without a doubt, be, you know, sort of like the heart of the team. And uh, I'm not sure that they've played as well as they could play. Uh, I agree. So they're they're not season. even close to be meeting their potential so far. Not even. Not even close. close. No. <laughs> but but given all the injuries, given the kids, I mean, you've got no offense because I, I I hate to pick on kids. That's that's what I, I'm not about that. But you know, you, you'd like to see kids that have been here for three years to perform a little bit better. Uh, and I and I think Robert's giving you all he can give you. Uh, he's just not that. His skill level isn't there. I mean, but it's not because there's a lack of effort there. Um, and when, when when your third and fourth strings are starting, it, you know, it's, you're going to see things. But what, there's two kids that I wanted to point out to you. Uh, one of the offensive end and one of the defensive end that really had some major games. Uh, on the offensive end, we've been waiting for this kid to come out, the kid from Gulliver. Man, I've been waiting for this kid. I met the kid, met his mom a couple years ago. Nice kid, uh, smile on the face all the time. I was happy to see uh, Deontay Mullins. The way he blocked, he ran some solid routes. He made one hell of a catch that kept that that final drive going. I mean, I don't know how he got both feet inbounds. Um, but yeah, he, he really he, had a he, good he game. was doing great till that penalty. <laughs> he, he, when he screwed up that block on the final drive, and he, it looked like the game which, was over when they took that 15-yard penalty. Which that's up to uh, that's still up for debate, in my opinion. Uh, one of no, the most racist officials who lives no, down here. He says, "Hey, that, I don't that, know if I'm I glad we that just call. brought that up too." Cause a lot of people were on the ACC officials for that call. It was it was it was the proper call. Okay, okay. And then, and then the other kid I wanted to talk about, who's not who's not big enough, he's not strong enough, he's not fast enough, but he just gives you everything. Is Mike the kid from Northwestern, Mike Smith? I thought he played one hell of a game coming in to, to spell uh, Pickney. Yeah. it's one of his best games I've seen him play. He's become a pretty good backup linebacker, no doubt about it. And, and, and I love how he pushes those kids. But uh, the one thing I want to talk about recruiting, if I can, real quick before I let you go, I know you've got a million, million people on the line here, but um, recruiting-wise, Gary, I, I, I read your article today or the article on Josh Job, and, man, I, I'm starting to get a little concerned, to be honest with you. I, I was always kind of concerned, but now uh, one of the comments that the coach made was, hey, you know, you go away from home and you figure out you can make it, or you figure out, you know, you're, it's too far away from you. Um, and, and he's he's very much uh, in the Alabama uh, network. He's also in the Michigan network, but he's also in the Oklahoma State network, which which you guys uh, I don't know if you guys know well of that. And you know uh, he's he's well very well connected. So starting to see some signs that I don't like, and uh, I'm really hoping it's nothing. But um, you know I'd, I'd like to see something a little bit more. Uh, more convincing from Josh about his commitment here, and right now I just—it's going to no. a direction I don't like. You got you got about sixty with the sixty-three days to sweat it out. You know, December twentieth, the early signing period day. Absolutely. If he doesn't sign, if he doesn't sign, then then you know you got a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and one last thing on recruiting. Uh, a kid from a heritage, I've heard nothing but great things about him. But, Gary, we, we, I really think we need a solid, experienced, big body from the JUCO ranks. Is there anybody out there we're looking at in the JUCO ranks? Uh, the kid from Mississippi, I heard, is going to commit to Oklahoma. Come on, defensive line? Yeah, defensive tackle. Yeah, they were looking at the, those, those two kids that were committed to Louisville. Um, Excellent. But I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. Well, you know they they put out they, they're depth. in the process of putting out a lot of defensive line offers. 
So they're they're starting to get aggressive now. I think they wanted to sit back and watch some film from this year and, and make sure that they're going after the right guys. They've got Nesta Silvera committed. So, you know, I, 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 I think that – I love his feet. He's got, he's got quick feet. I love his feet. Yeah. Great balance. But I, but I think you know, I think they just want to make sure that they get the the right guys. So they've been sort of sitting back a little bit and watching film. But um, looks like they're getting a little more aggressive now. Gary, take care. Thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully let's get, let's have a great crowd out there once again this Saturday for these kids. No sweat, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Take care, man. man. You know, and just to close the book on that conversation that we were having about the offense, you know. Obviously, as fans, everybody thinks that they can, that the, they can and should be going up and down the field on every single possession. But you know, maybe that's not reality. You know, and, and you know, you're playing with what is, I think, likely an average quarterback who probably won't get drafted when he's done with his college career. You're playing as good as he's doing. You're into your second team at running back. You have an average offensive line. You have a receiver core that's thin and has been primarily without its best player. So I think as fans, everybody has to be just honest about that. And if you are, I don't see how you can't be anything but thrilled to death by what, what's going on right now. I mean, you know, look at the season Berrios is having. Look at the season Homer's having. Look at, look at the way, you know, Walton was doing until he got hurt. Malik Rozier, I think, is maxing out his capability Offensive line is struggling at times, no doubt about it. But, you know, it's not a horror show by any stretch of the imagination. And the team's 5-0 and and in the top 10. So uh, you're in a good spot. And I think the really good thing is that the best football should be ahead for these guys. Um, you know, you should get some of these injured guys back here over the next couple weeks. And the defense certainly has upside. I don't think you've come close to seeing the best that they have to offer. they got to get Delaney back so that the secondary – is a little bit more stabilized. And um, I think the linebackers can play much better than they've played. So I don't think this is a team that has peaked by any stretch of the imagination. And that's a good thing because the tougher games are coming up, you know, here in the month of November and, you know, hopefully into December. So, uh, you know, we'll see what, what happens there, but, uh, you know, I thought it would be good to address that here uh, right now. Let's go out to the nine, seven, three. You're live on Kane sport live. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's going on? <laughs> What's up, Ross, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, listen, man. Listen, listen. Just give me a little bit of time here so I can get all my, my things out. But, okay, it's a, it's, 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 I guess it's a real nice, it's real nice to hear that we, we, we need Delvaney to come back. Um, first game of the season, second game of the season, nobody wanted anything to do with the guy. And um, it's funny how him coming back, Hopefully this Saturday or, or soon is a real big deal for us. That just tells well, you. Well, he started playing better, got, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just, just tells you that those are the type of things that happen. I love the fact that he's a he's a veteran and he'll make mistakes, but he'll also he'll also be there for you. Hey, listen, the caller before I love some of the stuff that he's saying. Okay, I get it, but to, to say that we should calm down <laughs> and not be happy to be in the top. 10 is, is, is that's a bit much that's a bit much it helps in a, in many ways Gary it helps in many ways to be in the well top I, I, wait, think, wait I think what he was, wait, I think wait, what he was wait, saying wait, is let wait. you know let it play out you know I, I, I don't yeah, think he was saying don't, don't be excited fine, I think he's just saying don't get carried away things, 
But so what? So what? If we weren't, if we weren't, in, if we'd lost that game, it would be a different type of a conversation. We're there. We're in the top ten. All week when it gets flashed, you notice they never really talking about anything. They always talk about the top ten. They don't really talk about anything below the top ten. So it's good for us. It's good for the organization when they flash the top ten that your thing is there and you're being talked about. It's important. Yeah, it's great. And if, you, and if you can hang in there these next few weeks and, and be, before you play Virginia Tech, get up to number f- five or something, even you know, even if you, you drop four to loss, games or you something, loss, you, you'll still it's not that you want to lose, but if you do lose, at least you're not dropping all the way out of the top you know, 15. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A couple more things. There. Um, I just wanted to say, listen, it's a big deal for that. And, 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 and I'm going to get this in. Please let me get this in. Um, all last year, Gary, this is not what I want to talk about really, but I want to get it in. All last year, we watched that Florida State-Miami game on ESPNU, the top 25 game that they put. I don't care what time in the morning it was. It could be 3 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the day. They repeated that game a thousand times. Now it's, this, it's our turn to watch the victory. And it's even a better victory to watch when they're going to replay that game over and over and over again. I didn't get a chance to say it last week, so I just wanted to say this is the Florida State game. But anyway, a um, couple other things, man. Call me what you want to call me now. But did you notice that we have not wore any orange since we've been playing? Is that something with the team right now? Because it's there, or they're being superstitious, but they have not put an orange pants on or orange top. I have not. I have not really yes. paid attention to that yes. to that degree. Where I can't remember what they wore the first couple. They would. They didn't you. wear. Did they wear orange against Bethune? No. 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 All right. I'll You're take your word orange. for it. Not wearing the orange, yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Listen, yeah. Come on now. You you were saying before that he's limited. That's all we got. They're not obligated. They did not recruit the kid knows. So they're not invested in playing him. So if you're not invested in really playing, you're not obligated to play that kid. This is big time football. Wait a minute, this big time football. You don't have to play him. You're not you're not obligated to play him. You do not recruit. and if you look at some of these other top twenty five teams that's out there, if the kid is not performing, I don't care if he's an older kid or not, he don't play. You play the freshman, you play the guy that you invest your time into. And you got D. Smith that they invested their time into, and you got Carter that they invested their time. I'd rather watch them get burnt and run all over the field, and this guy keeps chasing people. 20 is out there chasing. To me, he looks worse. He looks worse than – what's this kid, the kid from Dallas, from, from, from Texas, Highsmith? And what was the other guy that we had? They used to call him the huggy bear, the tackle-wise at the safety spot. Those two guys that we had, I, I used to name a number 11 or number whatever the number was. I didn't recall them by their name. So everybody's saying, let's not be negative against Knowles. Are you kidding me? We're not invested in that kid. The guy that we – No, they don't have, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not obligated to play him at all, but they're choosing to play him, which tells you about where they feel the other guys are right now. Because they, you know they are invested in Amari Carter and Derek Smith. But he can't, they can't be any worse. Well, but obviously they feel they're not ready yet. I don't think that's – I think they just – they're trying to buy their time until they're going to keep coaching these kids up. And But I, you know what? I'd rather stick that out there, stick them out there and watch them get burnt 
I'd rather them get burnt because I, it's just an ugly scene watching this kid chase every every game, and it's not getting any better. So why keep putting them out there? Also, no, um, we'll see. Like, we'll Syracuse, see Saturday. Syracuse <laughs> like to, yeah, Syracuse like to run the up, up-tempo offense. I'm praying two things. Either the rains come again or it's 98-plus degrees out there. They're not used to that Florida weather. They're playing the dome. So I'm hoping that it's scorching hot out. And they can't, and they can't, they can't. After a while, they'll wear themselves out trying to run that offense, you know. And, and a lot of people, and a lot of people get on here. They're talking about what they're going to do to us. What about what we're going to do to them? <laughs> we're going to exploit some of that, you know. They're not just going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. Also, I think a key in this game, guy. Yeah, remember, I tell you this: he cannot get injured in this game. It's Johnson. Johnson has to be the quarterback spy in this game. Johnson has to be the quarterback spy because the quarterback likes to run out of the pocket and pick up three or four yards and five or six yards of the air. They have to be, he has to be a spy in this game, Gary. He must be a spy in this game. What's your okay. thoughts on that? I don't, I don't know what Manny's going to decide to do. No, I'm just saying, if you think you know, this, this offense is, you know, it provides some challenges for him. I mean, it'll, I, but, it, you know, what he's going to choose to do, I don't know. No, I'm just saying, I think that's something that they really, really – they really have to do. They have to put a spy on him, and I think the guy, the two guys that you've got to be able to do that with is Johnson and maybe or even um, Jackson, Michael Jackson, because you don't want to give up cheap, cheap yards. And 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 now also, tell me what the offensive lineman was doing here, Gary. You're saying that we're so so on offensive line and we're not that good on third down. We can't be any good if if the tackle is not going to move. You remember the play where. The defensive lineman just blew past McDermott on third down. I mean, he was he was just sitting in his stance, and the guy just blew right past him. Did you watch yeah, the game just, over? He, yeah, he he was just late coming out of he his stance. He was asleep. Why? And that's a big possession. That's a third down play. You have to know what's going on, and you let the guy run right past you. Yeah, I mean, McDermott's done pretty well this year. I think, you know, he's another one that, you know, you're getting about as much out of him as you could expect. Uh, on that particular play, he was late coming out of his stance. For no reason at all. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's not a reason. It's he was late coming out of his stance. I mean, it's never a reason. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's 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 really unacceptable. And he's yeah, but a like, I mean, Ross. I mean, he's, the kid's not going to be perfect. I mean, he's gonna he's there's going to be times where he gets beat. I mean, I don't know that that's reality, you know. But listen, it's it's ways you get beat, and there's ways you get beat. You get beat by the guy you try to touch him, try to make a play, and he gets around you for a sack or a, a hurry. He never moved. He didn't even notice the guy was there, and that was a third. He was just play. late, late on the count. Gary, right, what else you got, late? Ross? What else you got? What else you and got? It's, it's the same. I, I, you can't defend him on that, though. No, I'm it's, I'm saying it's yeah. a kid who's playing pretty well the whole year, who messed up on a play. I mean, it's gonna happen. Okay, hey, do me a favor. Um, say it slow so I can either go back and I don't have nothing to write down, but right now, can you give me an email? Because I actually want to tell you something off, off, off the air. I want to bring something to your attention. Canesport um, at bellsouth.net. Canesport at bellsouth.net. at bellsouth.net. Okay, it's important because I got to send you something. I'm going to go back and listen to this. And I, gotta send, I want you to, um, you know, it's going to come from me. And uh, um, honestly, it, it's a really heads up thing. 
And I want to see if you agree with me or not. But I don't want to say it over the year. I want to actually. That's fine. Send it what else you got for the show? Okay. Really, that's yeah, it, man. Just, um, that's it. This the matchup is going to be a little difficult for us, but I think we could, you know, we'll be able to just hang in there, keep playing well, and the games that we really need to win, we need to go ahead and win. Virginia Tech is going to be huge. That should not be overlooked. We win that game, Gary. We're in. We win the Virginia Tech game. We're in. Yeah, no doubt. And maybe maybe you could break it down to us about, you know, obviously we're not going to hope we hope that we win all our games, but the reality is that we're not probably going to win all our games. But can you break it down for us sometime during the show? If we beat Virginia Tech, where if we beat that, Virginia Tech, you've got, a, you've got, I think, a three-game lead on them. So okay, because we're we're a, we're a day right now. We're a day. They, well, they, they, have, they have one. They have one loss. But if oh, they okay. but if they beat us, they if they if they beat us, they win the tiebreaker. So if you win that game, exactly. they've got two losses. You've got no losses in the conference, and you win a tiebreaker with them. So you know. Do you know who they, they play they, next? Do you know if they play anybody that they, we, we've already? Yeah. No, wait, I'll tell you. They have. I think they have a somewhat tough game this week. I'm going to look it up real quick right now. Um, we need them to lose. We need them to lose that game. Let's see here, real quick, who they play this week. Um, They play no, they play Carolina this week. It's not a tough game. It's a sure oh, victory. Man. Then they play Duke. They play Carolina and Duke before they get to to Miami. So they're they're gonna have, they're gonna have one loss in the conference coming into the Miami. Well, game. we never know. You never know. And then they play. They finish the with Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, and Virginia. So, you know, the Virginia game could get interesting since Virginia's not bad this year, and it's at Virginia, and it's a rivalry game. Who knows? But, I mean, the bottom line is that game is gonna be for the Coastal. I mean, more than likely. And 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 the guy said, and the guy that called right before me was saying, let's play it out. And it's a, we're, and you said, on oh, we'll be happy, we'll be happy with nine and ten. No, we'll be happy if we're back and we're in the coastal. That's the yeah. end game. That's the Boy, end talk game about game. a favorable schedule. Oh my God, I, this is the first time I've looked at Virginia Tech's schedule. I mean, they played East Carolina, Old Dominion, and Delaware. I mean, that's ridiculous. Amen. But anyway. And those are guys that they play every. They play them every and, year. And their toughest out of conference game was West Virginia. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But listen, we got to beat them. We got to find a way to win that game. If we win that game, we're in. We're in. We're yeah. in. We're in. All right, Ross. And, thank and you. Thanks for being part of the show, man. Appreciate right, the call. Give, home, give, give us right. a call again next week. All right. Hey guys, this next segment of Kane Sport Live is going to be brought to you by. TheStartup.com. You've heard me talk about them all season. They're the world's first virtual incubator created by Canes fans to help Canes fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And uh, this is the company. Like I said, it was started by Canes fans. And if you're not a Canes fan, you can't get a job there. (laughs) I just think that's so cool. And uh, the folks at TheStartup.com have created a workplace without walls and an internet-based platform called The Ecosystem where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build their business plans, communicate and strategize with team members, and even forecast and manage their cash flows. And um, The Ecosystem was created to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. 
So visit thestartup.com today for a free trial. It's one site at one price to rule them all. Thestartup.com, the company created by Canes fans, where only Canes fans can work, that are there to help Canes fans and their friends and family just run their businesses better. And I know a lot of you out there are entrepreneurs and you're out there you know, fighting every day to make your businesses successful. Go to thestartup.com and give them a chance to help you and, and see if they can come up with some different ways to make your business life when you're not at Kane's game cheering for the, for the Canes just a little bit easier. All right, let's get back to the show. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. And let's go to the 404 now. The 404, you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's going on, Gary? It's your boy, Uki08. Uki, how are you, man? All right, man. You know, can't complain. Team 5-0, and looking pretty good, you know. Nothing can't complain about too much. I mean, um, I got a few questions, though. Um I don't. I mean, I don't have really problem with the the play calling or anything like that. But more so about, more so about um, this match. You know, the matchups. Like it seems like we're not taking advantage of you know some some of the talent that we have on offense and and get them getting them in their best matchups. You know, I know people point to the uh, jump the fade routes in the end zone to the five nine receivers. And, and things like that, but I mean, I feel I feel like it's like a lot of other lot of other players are not being utilized. Yeah, I was just saying, be, well. Besides that, what are you seeing? I mean, not really using the tight ends properly. You know, I see I've seen, uh, and it's not even just hurting. I, I, Michael Irvin Jr. has made a few plays here and there this year, and all of a sudden he just literally just has disappeared. I just feel like you know we're not really getting a lot of the a lot of um, a lot of a lot of the weapons involved, um, you know, in certain times or certain plays. You know, I don't. I, I'm, Herndon, I'm not. Herndon sure. had five catches the other day, Uki. He had three in the Florida State game. No, he had I, five. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention Herndon. I, I mentioned Michael Irvin Jr. Though. Oh, okay. Well, he's Herndon's playing most of the snaps. Michael Irvin. I don't think I saw him out there for more than four or five plays the other day. Yeah, but I, I, that's what my whole thing. But he's made a few plays here and there, and I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm not understanding why you know he's not being more involved with the offense. Because Herndon's getting most of the snaps. Okay, that's why. But I mean, he's not out there that much. We 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 used two we used two tight ends last year, so what's the difference? Is it, yeah, but Michael Irvin is not David Njoku. Come on, Uki. You know better than that. I'm not saying that he is. I'm not saying he is. So why he like why would you play either. two tight ends with the personnel you have this year? Why would you put Michael Irvin out saying, there instead oh. of one of the receivers? Come on, man. But you're not saying – are you telling me that Michael Irvin Jr. can't make plays? That's what you're saying? I'm telling you that you're not going to play two tight ends very often with the personnel on this team. You'd rather have Langham out there the way he's playing. You'd rather have – Barrios out there, you, you know. You'd rather have Amon Richards, obviously, when he's healthy. Even Harley, at least he could stretch the defense a little bit. Jeff Thomas, like, why, why, why would you line up with two tight ends when your second tight ends, Michael Irvin Jr.? I mean, I 
mean? But how do what do we how do we know that what next year what he what bring? You know what I'm saying? Because he he you, he's made some plays this year, Gary. You, you I know agree. What I mean? like it's, he's made a few. He's he, made a few plays, like but that's not your plays. best. That's not going to be your best formation. I'm not now, next year. I'm not saying that he's the best, but I'm saying why are we not getting him more involved with the game plan? Like I mean, because they're running. I've they're seen, running. I've seen Har. I've seen. I've seen Harley out there looking looking lost in in. You know, in games, and I don't, I don't, I'm not understanding. You know what I mean? Well, like, they're they're just can, they're running other things. They're not running. You're, they're not running the traditional pro style offense a lot of the time. You're seeing a lot of spread concepts. Um, you know, you're seeing that one play over and over again where the two slot guys go out on bubble screens, um, and they either hand off or throw the bubble screen. I mean, you're, a lot of those run pass option plays. You know, he's running a different offense, and, and there's no reason why he would build this offense around the tight ends. Now, next year, you got these two freshman studs coming into the program, um, Revan Jordan from Vegas and uh, Will Mallory from Jacksonville. These two kids are the real deal now, and I think, you you know, when, when he has those kids in the program, I think he'll, he'll run that a lot more. And I think you're going to see um, as those kids develop, you'll see both of them on the field a lot at the same time. Just like you saw Njoku and Herndon on the field at the same time last year. And what I would say is give Mark Rick credit. Like, you know, he's coaching, man. I mean, he, he, he's like t- hey, looking at what he Harry, has personnel-wise, and he's nothing. making logical decisions based on his personnel. And he's doing different things this year than he did last year based strictly on the personnel he has. He's got a different type of quarterback. He's got different receivers. Um, it's not the same personnel he had last year. I mean, the guy's coaching. I think he's doing a hell of a job. I don't, you know, I agree that the offense is kind of vanilla at times, but you know what? When he's tried to go down the field, he's gotten burned by it, and Rozier threw interceptions. And he doesn't want his quarterback turning the ball over all over the place. So he's running a fairly vanilla offense. He's not asking him to do things that he doesn't think he, sh- he can't do or that he can doesn't think that he can do or, or you know, or can't do or whatever. And uh, it's working. I mean, they're winning. And they're not winning as pretty as you know, I'm sure he would like or anybody would like, but they are 5-0, and oh, so. Yeah, and I'm not criticizing how we're winning because I'm, there's no surprise in the way we win. And, I mean, if you really look at our roster, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's, – it's, it, we, we could easily have two losses right now. So, like, of course. Seriously, like, but but it, if it, your it, biggest it, criticism – Uki, if your biggest criticism is Michael Irvin Jr. is not playing enough, then Mark no, Rick's doing it's not, even well. about, it's not even about Michael Irvin Jr. I'm just talking about just matchups in general. Like, it just, I just feel like – if, 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 Listen, if you want to say that they didn't do a good job matching their personnel with the play calls last week, I, I would agree with you on that. There were at least five or probably four, five, six plays where – the personnel clearly didn't seem to match what they were trying to run. Now, in fairness to that, to the coaches, I think they would say that that's not how they're coaching. And they would say that we don't feel like we can only run those routes with, with uh, Langham or with Amon. Like, you know, they, they feel that Berrios can run any route. They, and you know, they, they're big believers. Like you see how much they're playing Harley. And, you know, I don't, I've I, I've said I based on what I've seen I don't feel he's an outside receiver but they think he is and they think they can hit him on those routes so you know when when is the Harris kid coming back I think he's back this week 
Okay, because I, I was, I was. He can become a little bigger guy. You know, that's a little bigger guy that can do some stuff. Yeah, he made and a Amon few plays might be back this week. Yeah. If, if Richards is back this week, it changes everything. Because his yeah, presence yeah. on the that, field uh, to me is huge. It takes the offense to a whole nother level. Yeah. I was, well, one thing I was going to say is like I, I love what the squad is doing, and I love what Rich doing, and you know I, I, the fan base should be excited about the direction we're going into. But can we stop with the comparison of crazy? Crazy comparisons. I mean, comparing this squad to the old two Ohio State team. I mean, I know a lot of us hate that team or whatever, but let's not act like they didn't have talent on that team. Yeah, you they gotta, you gotta, you gotta win five, six more games before you start trying to compare to that team. Exactly. There's no Maurice Claret on this team or anything like that. Or Will Smith. It's, I mean, we got some talent, but come on, man. Let's not act like that Ohio State team didn't have any talent. If I'm going to compare this team to any squad, I'm going to say it's more like the after, after, the after Dorsey, Dorsey um, team, like when we had Brock Berlin. That's who, that's who, that's who Rosier reminds me of. Not very accurate, but when it's, he comes up big time and, and when, it, when, when it's needed. And that's the last big winner we've had at quarterback, Brock, Brock mm. Berlin. And that's who I compare him to. But All right, what else you got, okay. Uki? Anything else? Oh, I wanted to talk about – I'll talk about, about the NCAA uh, basketball investigation, seeing okay. that uh, Louisville got rid, of, got rid of their hair coach. So I'm just wondering because I know they're seeing like, all these text messages and stuff coming or coming out and stuff like that. Is there you? Do you think that um, there's anything out there that might incriminate the Miami basketball program? Right now, it doesn't or? look. It doesn't look like it right now, Uki. Well, uh, you know, what they're doing right now is, is they're trying to make this thing go away as quick as they can, and and they're getting affidavits from the individuals involved, um, saying in, in basically sworn statements that mm-hmm. Miami did not commit those violations that were insinuated in that report and you know like like the the little kid the recruit he he, he ended up uh going to North Carolina um yeah you know they they got a statement the i believe kid. from him i think they got a statement from his parents uh, declaring that Miami did not commit those violations um and i don't know if they're you know looking at other people to Sign statements as well, but Miami wants this thing to go away as quickly as possible because it's totally wreaked havoc on their recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 a cloud that's hanging over them as they try to embark on a season that they obviously expect big things out of. And to this point, through the the first few weeks of practice here. It's been a totally closed program. We have yet to have media availability in basketball, and uh, they got to go. They're going to go to Operation Basketball this week for the conference, and they they got. I guess they they have to make Laranega available, and and he's going to have to say something publicly at that point. But um, it's been a sealed program for the last few weeks, and the reason is they're trying to get this thing ironed down so that he doesn't have to keep talking about it every single day and that it isn't a distraction. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, right now I would say things are looking relatively favorable for Miami in that situation, but we don't know what else might come out. 
But being that the feds are doing an investigation, will the it, can the NCAA any kind of way like get in like get involved with this, or this is just strictly? A- I don't know. It's going to be interesting because the whole premise of the FBI investigation is that the schools are victims that. Um, the individuals at the equipment companies and any coaches that might be involved are perpetrating fraud upon the universities. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where it's going as far as the NCAA is concerned. It, it, this could end up being a revolutionary uh, case for the NCAA that totally changes the whole outlook on compliance. Because if you look back through the history of compliance, it, it's always been the schools that paid the price – for what people did. And what the FBI is saying is the schools are victims. Gotcha. And uh, one more thing. When is, uh, are they, uh, is UM doing uh, Midnight Madness this year? No, no, no. They're, they're just, you know, going through the preseason and eventually they'll start playing games. All right. All right. Give me a hope. All right, Uki. Thanks for, thanks for calling in and being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 256. 256, you're live on King Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, what's happening, Gary? I'm doing great. Who's this? Well, this is Juan from Alabama, man. What's up, Juan? What you got for us this week? Oh, man, just a couple of things, man, just a couple of things. So, just want to start off by saying that, uh, man, Travis Homer's that man, man. And I think what a lot of people was probably meaning as far as saying he was better than Walton is that he fits the system more so than Walton does, I guess you could say. Yeah, I don't so, know. I don't know why. Why do they have to be compared? Like, like. You know what? Like what? What's there to gain from that? You know, I don't get. I just don't. I don't see why you have to try to make that declaration. I mean, the Homer kid is doing so well, and he's doing everything that you could possibly expect of him, uh, way beyond what I'm sure the coaches expected of him coming into the season. And it's a positive, positive. Like, why does he have to be better than Mark Walton? Like, you know, why do you have to? Like, why even make that comparison? In my opinion, I just don't see the point of it. Yeah, I guess I can understand from both ways. I mean, I'm a big Mark Walton fan, but, I mean, just the fact that Homer's doing what he's doing, I mean, to me, I mean, you can't – I mean, well, nobody should be mad about it. I mean, I guess nobody is mad about it. But, I mean, if you're comparing and all of that, I mean, whatever. I just want to touch on that real quick. Look, uh, listen, you know, here's the thing. It, it's game by game, play by play. It's like what what opportunities do they have when they get the ball in their hands? You know, I mean – and and Homer's maximized them. I mean, he really has. I mean, you know. yeah, he's been putting in work, man. Man, he's a heck of a running back. Uh, my other another thing I want to touch on. Uh, I think we need to get Langham more involved sooner. Now, I'm not sure if anybody's brought this up or not, but you know, throwing the fade routes and everything to Harley and Thomas when you know you got Langham, who's probably what six foot four plus, whatever. I mean, and I think that the way he's been playing, that's what a lot of us have ex- been expecting from Cager. You know, I've been expecting him to be a whole lot more physical with going up and, you know, trying to get the ball and whatnot. Another thing, the Jeff Thomas play, 
feel like he should have scored on that, man. You got to finish those, Jeff. Another thing, uh, since everybody was doing the comparisons and all of that, uh, I'm not sure. I think, what, Ken Dorsey played six years in the NFL. I'm not sure how long Stephen Morris has been playing in the NFL. But, I mean, he may play longer than Dorsey did. So, I mean, are you going to say that Morris is better than Dorsey? I mean, I don't know. Just wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, we got to wrap up, Gary. Too many damn arm tackles, man. Got to quit arm tackling. These guys are just running through that crap. Got to do better as far as that goes. Uh, on the third and one, we had a three-man front. Just curious how come we didn't, you know, stack the line up in there, at least, you know, put five down linemen or something. Instead, we had three uh, three down linemen on third and one when we already knew the quarterback was probably going to keep it or they was going to hit the B-back. Another thing, uh, got to get Herndon more involved early on. Feel like he been he put in a whole lot of work real late in these games when he could have been putting in work, you know, the whole game. Uh, on yeah, that he, two he's point sort of like money in the bank, isn't he? Like he's so reliable. Indeed, indeed. I was like, whoa, especially when they was hitting him out there and, you know, he's doing this thing. It kind of reminded me what he did towards the end of the Florida State game. So I just think we need to get him more involved. Uh, on that two-point conversion, feel like Malik should have ran that in, man. He had wide open scenes straight up the middle. He could have ran that in for the two-point conversion. Uh, uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, the flats were open the whole game. Got to get the ball out there in the flats. Uh, Rozier, everybody's saying, you know, this and that. I think he's a good game manager. He's just got to be a whole lot more consistent than what he's been. Now, with all that being said, Gary, we number eight in the country. I'm going to celebrate it, you know, because cause I've been talking trash. Hey, look at hey, the two, pay, five, six. Pay attention to the coaches' poll, and you could say you're number seven. <laughs> okay, then. But like I was saying, Gary, I'm down here in the two, five, six, home of the Crimson Horse, and they don't like where we at right now. So let's just keep <laughs> on moving on up and come at them, Gary, because you know what I'm saying? We need that <laughs> They may, like, they may, they may not like it, but, I, I, but I'll tell you right now, they're not scared yet. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hey, that's what, like I told my brother, he's a big-time Crimson Horde fan. Uh, they ain't got to be scared of us, Gary, but, you know what I mean, you ain't got to be scared to get your butt whooped, you know what I'm saying? Keep me on hold, <laughs> Hurricane for life. All right, Juan. I don't know, man. I don't I don't think we won Alabama yet. Let's not get too crazy here, but uh, obviously great start to the season. Let's go out to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary, man? It's your boy Sebastian. How you doing? What's up, Sebastian? How you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, Gary. Hey, man, you know, look, if somebody Juan, told me Juan, at the Juan of... wants Alabama, Sebastian. You what do you think? <laughs> you think we're ready for Alabama? Dude, dude you know, I'm a, I've been an Alabama hater for over 22-something years, Gary. I haven't rooted for Alabama since they beat Miami in Sugar Bowl. And my favorite team is the Canes and anybody that plays Alabama. So, you know, I'm I'm a big-time Alabama hater. Do I want to play them now? No. But do I want to play them in 2021? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that because we'll have the depth that we need, and then hopefully we would have recruited the kids that we need inside the program with the talent to match Alabama. I've, you know, I got a, a big a friend that's a big Alabama fan. I tell him, I said, you guys been living high on the hog on that South Florida talent. Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridgely. I said, man, you start plucking them game changes off the University of Alabama. I'm just saying, you know, when we get on the field in 2020, it's going to be a different a different scenario. 
And I told him to tie the term because, you know, if we get Mark Pope, that's going to be the first big-time game changer that we went head-to-head against Alabama we got besides Chad Thomas. So I think that's pretty amazing. What do you think about that, Gary? Yeah, you're right. I think that's amazing. So I, 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 know, I know you got a lot of callers on, on, on hold, so I just – I actually write my stuff down before I call you just to make sure I can cover everything. First question I have is, Lauren Cager hurt? Because, I mean. I don't think he's hurt, but I don't think he's explosive yet either, you know? He's having a hard time getting open. He he really does. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, he seemed like he was firing on all cylinders. But it seems like, I'm not saying we need to put him on a shelf for a week or two, but. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm thinking Langham should get a little bit more uh, burned than uh, Cager. And I'm a big Cager fan. I'm just saying, you know. Well, it, it kind I've... of evolved into that last game, wouldn't you think, when, you know, in the, in the Georgia Tech yeah, game? Didn't I, think, I mean, I, I think... Cager did not catch a ball in that game. Langham caught five for 100 yards. So yeah, I, think, I, think I, I think you saw that transition take place. Um, this week we get Dayal Harris back, and I'm kind of pretty excited about that because I think it's messed up with our wide receiver grouping on the field. I don't know if that's something that you picked out on, but that's something that I, I looked at. Um, but I'm glad Dayal Harris is, is back and hopefully the depth and, you know, our team will play a little bit better. I was really, really impressed with that play call with uh, Thomas, man. That was a beautiful call. Beautiful yeah, he, call. They, they, beautiful. they set that up nice. Executed well, and so, so with Gary, when I that goes on to my next point, when I talk about the coaching job that these this coaching staff has done in the last two years, I think it's pretty amazing. And here's some things I want to highlight we've been down three times this year at the half, and we won. We've never won a game we're down at the half with uh, the previous coaching staff. I don't know if any Canes fan pay attention to that, but I do. You know, three games this year, we were down at the half. We found a way to win. That's all coaching to me. Yeah, they they don't panic. They make the adjustments that they need to make, and um, I think their their feeling of calm and confidence carries over to the kids. I think that's huge. And you know, we'll watch this throughout the season. I just want to highlight that. But the last regime, we never went to the half, and we were down. You might as well turn the TV off. We weren't winning that game. We just weren't. And um, we found a way to do that, and so I want to I want to give props to that. I thought McLeod had a better game against Georgia Tech. I don't know if that's something you took a look at, but you know he just didn't seem like he was really playing up to his potential. But I thought he had a good game against Georgia Tech. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he had moments. I just I don't think any of those guys have played up to their potential. To be honest with you, I just I don't know why. I mean, I think they've been okay. I mean, they haven't been obviously bad or a disaster by any stretch. But I, I mean, even Shaq and the, you know, I, you know, I don't. I think Pinkney's been banged up and hurt. And Shaq yeah. and, and 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 McLeod, I just don't think that they've come close to playing as well as they can play. Well, I tell you what, we're definitely going to need them the next three weeks. I mean, you know, the Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Syracuse game. I think those things are huge. Those boys are going to have to show up. And um, but I thought McLeod had a better game. Um, nobody said anything about it, but I thought our O line play was not bad with Donaldson being out between Mahoney and Gainer. I mean, well, Gainer I, I was struggling Gaynor. early. He was struggling. 
Well, they they they, they put Mahoney in, and you know he he, he had he had his moments where he struggled also, but he he didn't do too bad. He they just got to solve this enough. third down problem because what happens if they get into third down and teams start scheming on them and start bringing bringing stunts and blitzes and things like that? That's when they really struggle for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you told if you would have told me that Donaldson will be out. And we're gonna to have to play Mahoney and Gainer. Do we have a chance of winning? I said, heck no. But I thought they held up. I'll just say that I thought they held up. And if they continue to progress throughout the season, I think that'd be something that Kane's fans can be pleased with. I think it helps us not to rush Donaldson back, and um, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I'm not saying they're all stars, all American, all conference type of players, but we need to see some development on the offensive line. Um, yeah, I want to talk to you about the linebacker recruiting. I mean, are you have any concern about that? It just for some reason I just feel like we need to pick up two studs at linebacker. And they don't like think have, it's a priority this year. I don't think. I don't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was not a linebacker in the class. I'm concerned. Uh, you about know, everyone's here. coming back. They got all these guys coming back, and and I think that uh, you know the, the the feeling is that it could be attacked next year. I just, I'm just concerned about that. I think we need two I'd like boys. To see one. I, I think you always should try to get one guy, you know, in, in at every position, maybe. Even if you, even if you reassured him, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying we'll look, we'll, we'll, we'll continue this conversation throughout the year. But I'm concerned about the uh, linebacker recruiting. Um, the other thing I saw in the game is, I can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is a pretty disciplined football team. It didn't seem like there was a lot of penalties against us. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of penalties against us during the last two weeks. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? But I think that comes down to coaching. I think that comes down to good discipline. But I got to say, Gary, I mean, the last two weeks, man, I just haven't seen a lot of penalties on our teachers. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, it's a good point. Let's see. Um, you know, last week um, – they had six penalties for 45 yards in the Georgia Tech game. Okay. I mean, that's that's not terrible. In the um, in the Florida State game, they had six penalties for 79 yards, and in the Duke game, they had. Five penalties for 59 yards. So, yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. It's not too bad. I'm sure Mark Rick would like even less than that, but that's not terrible. I'll tell you this, Gary. When you get up to eight, nine, ten penalties, man, you're, like, giving away field position. You're basically giving away the game. So, what you just quoted out the last three weeks, I think we can live with that, being that we're not a strong, dominant team with a lot of depth. I think that's doable, and I, I got to give I, – I guess what I'm saying is I got to give credit to coaching because that says something about our team. The last point I want to make is um, I heard Mark Wick make a comment about the best scout team player on the defense side of the ball was uh, Gerald Willis. And so is the, is the probability and likelihood of him being on the team next year pretty high? Because if that's the case, I probably can live with three D tackles in the recruiting class and not four, um, especially if 
one of our two D tackles end up coming back for their senior year. I'm I'm kind of encouraged by that. I don't know what yeah, that's the plan. That and right now, I I don't see how either one of them is going to the NFL. I mean, they they played really good the other day, but I'd be really surprised if if they really could go to the NFL and 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 are, are going to be drafted in the first or second round at this point of their careers. I I think they both need to come back for their senior year, and I think they can definitely develop to that point. And we'll have a dominant team. I'm gonna make this last comment. And you keep me on hold. Could you just talk a little bit about you know I don't want to speak on Syracuse. But what do we really need to do to kind of just put them away in regards to the team that needs to show up on Saturday? They show – I got to give it to them. They played a hard-fought game against Georgia Tech. And that offense and that scheme and everything, not playing of a high – Syracuse team that just took down number two Clemson. So if you could just share just a little bit about what it's going to take for us to take care of the boys on Saturday and just keep I mean, me on hold and – you know, to me, Sebastian, I think the the biggest thing is you, you have to handle their tempo. You know, you you got to get you got to be or, keep yourself organized on defense, and you got to handle their tempo and you know be lined up when they run their plays and know what you're doing. And and to me, that's the biggest thing. And I think they're gonna have to adjust a little bit. I don't know that they're gonna be able to to substitute as freely as they you know like yeah, I like to. I, no, I think they're gonna have to change their rotations like that a little bit. But, uh, you know, to me, that's the biggest issue in this game. Uh, Syracuse plays at a tempo that, that is faster than most teams, and you got to be able to handle that. Okay. All right. So you're going to give me a prediction? Are we going to win this weekend? Or what's the deal? I know I mean, you'll I, never I, like I, I think so. I, I think it's good that they beat Clemson last week because I think it's, it'll get the kids' attention and they'll, they'll be inspired for the game. And uh, as long as they take care of business, and you know, which I expect them to do, I, you know, Manny has done a great job since he came here. I expect them to have those defensive kids organized. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think Miami's got a better team than Syracuse, uh, and they're playing it. Can you answer, answer this question? Just put me on hold. Is there anything on the encouragement recruiting side that you can share with us, just to make us feel good after a good week? with a victory against Georgia Tech. Just tell me something on the encouragement front, on the recruiting side, that that, that, that could just kind of carry us throughout the week until the game on Saturday and just keep me on hold. Great show. Um, you know, honestly, there's not a ton going on right now with with, with recruiting in, in terms of 2018. I, You know, most of these kids, if they're if they were going to commit, would have committed before the season. I don't. You just very rarely see a lot of commitments after the season begins. So uh, just not a just not a ton of movement right now. This season is different though, because normally around this time in the last couple of years, this is when kids start looking elsewhere, and we started dealing with a lot of decommitments. But we haven't seen that this year. No. No, and and I'm not sure you're going to. Like, I think that the the class as it exists right now uh, is in pretty decent shape. Okay. You know, the only thing that the only thing that I think is imminent in recruiting is this 2019 defensive tackle out of Miami, Norland. His name's Denzel Daxon, a kid that's really uh-huh. having a good. He's having a really good season. He got offered the other day, and, and uh, we think he's going to commit any day. 
He's a 2019 okay. defensive tackle, Denzel Daxon. I've, I've seen the name. I've seen the name. I'm crossing my fingers for that, too, because we got to keep that talent home. Hey, Gary, you got a good show going on. Hey, man, I, I got to tell you, man, you've been, you've been right calling it all year, but i got to remember what I tell you. The only way we're going to be able to get to the mountaintop is we got to have a championship coach that has championship experience. That that knows how to get him there, and everything I see from Mark Rick is he be, he believes in, in what he's doing, and I think it's showing on the field, and I think you know think positive things are on the horizon. Keep you on hold, and we'll continue this conversation. Yeah, I think the biggest thing you know, uh, um, just to, to conclude what Sebastian was talking about is managing the expectations, and if 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 expectations, if your personal expectations. We're in the right place coming into this season. I I don't see how you can have a problem with too much. Uh, you know, I I know a couple of the games were close. I, I know you know they they were down to the wire twice, but they found a way to win those games, and and that's the mark of a team that's on the upswing and 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 getting better. And uh, in the past, they wouldn't have done that. And and that's the difference between this year's team and the teams of the last. Uh, four, five, six years where they lost so many of these games in the ACC and they couldn't win the Coastal. Uh, this year's team is finding a way to win. Um, hopefully that continues. I, you know, I, I don't know if, if undefeated season is reality or not. Uh, it's certainly there for them with the toughest games at home. Um, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be very difficult to win all those every single one of those games because Notre Dame and Virginia Tech are quality teams. If if one of them were on the road. It obviously would be even tougher. The fact that they're both at home, if the team gets itself ready to play and performs, um, obviously good things could happen. So it's going to be real exciting one way or the other. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the 240. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? This is D Black. What's up, D Black? Not much. Yeah, talk um, to us. I don't got, you much, got good things I don't to got say much tonight. I don't got much to say tonight. It was just you know good hard fought game, you know, and I was watching uh, college football live tonight uh, with the panel of Reese Davis, Joey Galloway, uh, Booger McFarland, and Curb Herbstreet, and you know they was talking about Miami for a brief moment about how they just keep getting these lucked up wins, but I mean, look, a win is a win. I don't care if you win by one point or 20, a win is a win, you know, and if they didn't win those games, then they'd be like, well, the U is not back, but Mark Whip is doing a good job, X, Y, Z. But we're 5-0, eighth in the country. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy, but I know it's still room for improvement. We still can grow as a team. Um, Mark Wall, not Mark Wall, excuse me, Travis Homer, play exceptionally well. Let's hope the young brother can keep it up. Um, I just want to talk to you, like, as far as uh, recruitment, Gary. Um, who's coming in, who, who, who's coming in early? Who's going to be here in January to partake in spring ball? Uh, let me see if I got that list here right in front of me. Um... These are the ones that we that we're pretty sure are graduating early, unless you know things don't fall right. Uh, Lingard, Pope, Scaife, Ivy, Hall, Russo, 
Sitkowski, Wiggins, Hightower, Campbell, and Reed. Okay. Those are, the, those, okay. those are the ones that we think will be here in January. Okay. All right. All right. Hey. It's hey. so 11 that's, guys. That's, that's, that's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's real good. Yeah, not bad at all. <laughs> not bad at all. You know, get in, learn the system, get in that, get in that strength and conditioning program, and be looking to uh, contribute come 2018. Hey, it's not bad at all. But, you know, I'm just leave on this note. You know, we got a we got a good formidable opponent coming in this Saturday. You know, defense, the whole team got to step it up. We got to step it up and get this win. And you know, hey, things things are starting to look up, and you know, things are starting to, you know, the pendulum is starting to shift to in in Miami's favor. You know, great job from the coaching staff, um, all the way down to. The administration. I'm just, you know, I'm proud to be a Hurricane, been a Kane since '85, gonna die a Kane. So that's all I got tonight, Gary. Probably have I'm a little tired tonight practice, so I might definitely have more uh, critiquing on after the Syracuse game. But to the rest of my Kane fans, hey, let's keep our head up, stick our chest out, beat on them a little bit, like some silverbacks, because we ranked number eighth in the country. All right, Gary, thanks. Keep me on hold, man. You got it, D-Black. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, guys, football season is in full swing, and I'm sure a lot of you are betting every week on the pro games and the college games. And uh, let me just tell you that where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and that's why I've been telling you guys for a few years now to go check out mybookie.ag. And um, you know who's going to win, so lay down some cash and win big today. And um, my bookie gives 100% cash bonuses when you sign up. So you're making money right off the bat for doing nothing. Gives you a little bit of a head start. And they have the fastest payouts, just two business days. And um, live in-game betting, which is kind of cool if you like to, to do that. And, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, they have an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. And uh, if you join my bookie. Dot .ag now and you use the Kane Sport Live promo code Kane C A N E my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus so use promo code Kane to activate the offer visit mybookie.ag today and uh, get in on the action with my bookie you'll love the website really really good graphics nice cool platform works real well you play you win you get paid at mybookie.ag, and uh, we thank them for being part of Kane Sport Live. And now let's go out to the 205, where you're now live on the show. Who's this? Oh, oh, oh. What's up, Mr. Slaughter? How are uh, you, sir? Man, just, I'm good, man. How you doing, Gary? Doing good, doing good. It's it's fun covering a winning team for a change. <laughs> it's been a rough I know, right? 11 years, man. <laughs> It, 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 it's it's just kind of fun, you know. Everyone's feeling pretty good. Not a lot of attitudes or you know things like that. And yeah. It's just it's fun. It, it's fun being out there around the kids. They're happy. They're feeling good about themselves. The coaches are feeling good. It's it's just it's nice, you know. Yeah, man, I'm excited as well. Uh, nobody's trying to fire Al Golden. Team. You know, nobody's hollering and screaming. <laughs> Al Golden's got to go. Yeah, that's crazy. I just got a couple of things, man. I just hear a lot of um, 
a lot of critiquing about the, um, about the play calling of Mark Rick, and I don't understand why. I mean, we we um, we 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 beg for years to have a coaching staff that adjusts to the players that we have because you know we had a coach that was playing uh, defense that didn't fit our players. You know what I'm saying? So we got a coach that adjusts his style to hit the players that he has, and people complaining. I like the short intermediate passes that Mark Ritt does. I like the fact that he kept running the same swing pass because they wasn't stopping it. That's smart coaching. You, my, my old high school coach used to say, you keep running until they stop it. So, um, you know, which I, you know, I just think he, I think Mark is doing a great job with his play call. I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, he can, you know, like you said, the matchup, the matchup with the play caller can be a little better. But as far as him calling the game, he can't control when Mark, you know, when, when um, Rosier overthrows a ball or he or throws a swing pass too hard or, you know, certain or somebody get beat or you whiff a block or something like that. But as far as overall, I, I, I thought he's been calling a pretty good game. Slaughter, I thought that when the games were on the line the last two weeks, that what was going on offensively was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, I exactly. mean, you know, the Florida State game in the final minute, the way he worked in those two running plays. I mean, exactly. I mean that was ridiculous. That's, that's smart. That's that, that's 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 great gutsy play calling, and that's what. Oh you my want. god! You, you know what I'm saying? That's what you want. You try to catch a defense off guard. Nobody thought they was gonna run the ball on thirty eleven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, and I don't know, you know if you noticed he tried. To do. He tried to do the same thing against Georgia Tech, and they were ready for it. And the running plays didn't work. Yeah. But you know, how about the way they threw? I, I, I think on seven of eight plays, they they threw the bubble screen. <laughs> I mean, it was, hey, where, exactly. when, when have you ever you're seen not, that you're before? Not cover, like, you're not I mean, a two-minute offense built on bubble screens. I mean, it was, and and the execution was so good. Exactly. I mean, why why why, why complain? I mean, we you know what I'm saying that got us in field goal range. I mean, I was just – I was sitting there in awe of what I was watching. They went right down the field to go win the game in the last in the last minute on bubble screens. Exactly. And, and what I don't understand is the, why, why, why the school is not – why Miami is not getting the respect as if we're not playing anyone. And, like, and they, they clamor teams like Penn State that has played absolutely no one. You know what I'm saying? Which it, it baffles me. It's like I like, think it's I think slaughter. No I think it's because a lot of those people that are that are on TV talking and stuff, they're not seeing the Miami games. They're just seeing the score and a couple highlights. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's true. But as far as like, I mean, Homer, he is this. Is, he was he's a prime example of letting a player prove that he's ready. You know, he 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 play he pay his dues, special teams. But that guy's a hard worker. Me personally, I, I mean, I don't care if he's better than Mark Walton. I just want to win. And I don't think Mark Walton cares if he's better than him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they, they well, yeah, like I said earlier, why does one have – why did, why does that comparison have to even be made? I mean, they, what the kid's exactly. doing is unbelievable. I mean, it's a kid that hadn't really played before this year. He was getting a couple carries a game, and he's he's – built the confidence of the coaches and he's coming and coming and coming. Now he's got to be a starter and his first game as a starter, he gets 170 yards rushing. Like, screw exactly. the comparisons to Mark Walton. Just enjoy what Travis Homer's doing. It's it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, and like I tell my boy Uki all the time, because he's he real critical of uh, 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 Thomas Brown sometimes. You have to give Thomas Brown his, his credit for the simple fact that he, had, that he has this guy ready. 
you know, Thomas Brown is that's spectacular. He is a spectacular. He's earning his money. He's, a, he's spectacular. And I, and I, he, they need and to do whatever they they can to keep that guy there because he's going to help mold saw. that program. Uh, first of all, they are doing everything they need to do to keep him there. He's making a fortune, so that's not an issue. Yeah. Um, you know, he's making an, at least six hundred thousand dollars a year, so that's not that's not an issue. The um, I don't know if you saw the other day on the message board. I posted um, Thomas Brown's highlights from when he was the, when he was the running back at Georgia. And you know what's crazy, Gary? Me and, me and Thomas Brown was at Georgia camp together. Did you? I, was at well, I, you, if, I don't know if you saw. I posted his highlights on the message board the other day, and if you uh-huh. watch his highlights from when he played at Georgia, it's like watching Travis Homer. I mean, it, it, you know, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, he was a little thicker than Travis, but very similar running styles. I mean, uh, Thomas Brown was was a heck of a running back. I, I never realized how, yeah. how good he was. He was really good. He was really good. He, he got hurt. You know, he was little. He was a small running back, and he got hurt pretty quickly in the National Football League, probably because of that. But yeah. um, in college, he was unbelievable. I mean, I, I was amazed when I looked at, the, at, at that tape. Yeah, um, just one more one more thing, and I'm gonna let somebody else try to get on. But as um, far as the defense, I, I think the problem that you know we're seeing far as with our defense right now is not really as far as what Manny is doing; it's what the offensive Offensive. You got to think about the offense they played against. They're not gonna, the team is not going to have a lot of sacks um, when they play these uh, these fast tempo, up tempo teams because their their job is to get the ball out so they can uh, neutralize our, our defensive line and our blitzes. You know what I'm saying? So we have to sit back a lot more. Um, so I think you know I think once we play, you know, it's shown when we play Florida State, a team that doesn't really you know do an up tempo. We had a lot of sacks. We caused a lot of more chaos. And I don't think I don't I think people don't need to get their hopes up and think we're gonna have a million sacks against Syracuse because they do a lot of that fast tempo, get the ball out quick. You know what I'm saying? So I just think we're gonna play that, you know, we're gonna give up some yards, but when it gets to the to the red zone, we're gonna hold up to some field goals. You see what I'm saying? You, 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 yep. If you if you look at it, teams like Alabama does the same thing. They don't have a lot of sacks and a lot of tackles for loss against it's Texas A and M. Texas A and M Played them to the to, close to the wire, you know what I'm saying? They came back, but 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 a great defense, they won't give up the touchdown. They'll give up the three, and that's a win sometimes. Because teams are gonna move the ball. Anybody can move the ball nowadays, as you can see, you know. But other than that, I think people gotta get out the mindset that we're not ready for a team like Alabama because anybody can lose on any given Saturday, and Syracuse proved that. You know, um, I think we got the you know Alabama really hasn't played anyone. And they have them yet to be tested, so we're going to see when they play against the Auburns and the Georgias and things how really how good Alabama is. They may not go undefeated this year. They looking good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Georgia really looks good to me. <laughs> I, I'm amazed how good they look. They look good because of what Mark Witt, right? I don't know, but they look really good. And the, and the scary thing is, as good as they look, <laughs> Notre Dame played them very close. So that tells you Notre Dame can play a little bit too. Oh, that's the first of it. Uh, all right, man. We, we, Nah, that's the first of the year. That's the first game of the year, Gary. Everybody looked good first game of the year. You had a whole month to prepare. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but other than that, man, um, I'm gonna try to make it down to the um, the North Carolina game and the um and the V Tech game. So hopefully I get to see you again and holler at you. Yeah, you know, just holler just holler at me. I'll be I'll be I'll be there. 
All right, Gary, man, keep me on hold. We'll see you. Stop we'll see you then. All right, Slaughter, sorry about that. Good talking to you as always. Give us a call next week. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out as we begin hour number three to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's going on, Gary? This is 23 Daddy Kane. How are you doing? Hey, how are you, man? You must have been oh, excited when they were calling all those bubble screens in the fourth quarter the other day. Chris, <laughs> Chris, Chris was out there doing his thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Definitely been waiting for years for that, man. And, you know, just uh, a proud father waiting on his kid to shine, man. That was great. He's so, you know, he's so clutch. I mean, he, you know, obviously he's a seasoned guy now. And uh, he, he's, I, I said earlier in the show, he's money in the bank, man. It's like, you know, you, you just know that whatever you ask him to do, he's, he's going to be doing it right. He's accountable. And um, I, I just, I was amazed at the way they pulled that drive off on bubble screens. I mean, I, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Bruh, it's unbelievable. It goes back to old football. You know, I played, I've coached for, the last 15 years, coach high school, you run something until someone stops you. I cannot believe Georgia Tech gave up that bubble screen that many times in a row and made no adjustments. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, so. Well, if they did adjust and they started putting more bodies out there, they would have just run the ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's what you do. And the bubble screen is used. It's it's like another handoff. So you're not handing the ball off to a running back, but when you have kids that you have sure hands, you'll throw that bubble screen knowing that they're going to catch it. And in my son's instance, he's just big. He's going to drop that shoulder and run somebody over. Braxton Berrios on the other side is going to catch that ball Make and someone make miss, miss, but yep, but he's going to catch those balls. And, and I hear a lot of different things about you know fans or how they should use him and this that, and the other. First off, we're about getting the wins. We want the wins. So you know, but at the end of the game, as a proud father, you know, from from days of old when I'm in front of the front yard throwing passes to him. He's catching the ball. So, as a proud father, I'm glad of that. Uh, I heard, a couple, of course, a couple of callers, like, they should use him more. They should do this. Anybody that's coached football, that knows football, that's know, they know it's like all your great offensive coordinators play chess. And I say that to say that when you're playing chess, you're setting up moves, three, four, five moves down the line. Yep. So, and, and, and the case of it, because we, I'm a team player, I've always been, my son is, my daughter, everyone, they're going to use him to help the offensive line block at the beginning of the game. And I applaud them for that because you got to think there's method to the madness. You know, so when you have a tight end in the game that's a good blocker, you have to do that. So, I'm not, of course, I'm a dad. I want to see my son catch the ball, do all this other stuff. I want to win just like my son. want to win more than anything. 
So in that scenario, you want to keep that tight end because, of course, a tight end, especially if they offset him, your defensive ends have further to go to get to your quarterback. And, you know, people that know football know all this stuff. And so let's face it, I mean, there's, there's times the offensive line needs that help. Like, they, they need the help. <laughs> exactly. And, and you, you, you're going to do that with all your, and I call them freshman quarterbacks. Even though Malik has been there all that time, he's new. So you have to take baby steps. You have to take it game for game. Malik is like a freshman quarterback because he's just starting. So what do you do for a beginning quarterback? You help. You keep your tight end in to help your offensive line to get everybody else off. So you got to know that about sports. And, Gary, I know you know. You've covered sports forever. So, But, man, you know, a lot of people got to realize, enjoy these wins because as they pile up, you're getting better every week. Every week. I mean, so you, you got to enjoy that. I, I, man, I, I can throw my son – 50 footballs in a row, he'll catch them, do this, but his blocking is what I'm more proud of, because think about it, he's the the defensive end at Duke, Uh, I can't remember the kid's name, he's one of the top defensive ends in the country, my son went toe-to-toe with him, blocked him, and did his job, you know what I'm saying, and it helped the offense. So these coaches, just like everyone that calls in and goes off about, you know, they're showing their football knowledge. And this, these coaches are smart, too. They're savvy, too. They know what's going on. So you've you, you got to enjoy what's going on and, and not think that you know more than these guys that coach. Uh, everybody can question the – play calling and this and that, at the end of the day, man, we've had two cardiac games where we pulled out the win when we shouldn't have. I mean, unbelievable, man. This, man, this is, this is an unbelievable season. And everybody needs to sit. I hate people that call in and say, oh, the team, I'm, I'm a big fan, I'm this, this, and this, but, and then they go on this negative tirade about the team. <laughs> Well, this you know what I think football. happens? I, I think it's like the, as fans, you, you you just assume that your team is capable of doing anything. Like, you know, that they could just like roll an NFL playbook out there and, and run everything. And Malik can make every throw and, and you know, every every receiver can run every route and, and, and all these things. And it, it, it's just – that's just not reality. I mean, this is not a team that's developed to that point. And, uh, you know, you've got an offensive line that – that is challenged at times. You've, you've got a, like you said, a quarterback that essentially is almost like playing a freshman. Um, although, you know, it's better with an older kid because at least he's prepared for games for a few years, you know, exactly. but, um, exactly. you know, it, it's not a perfect storm and it's not a perfect world. And I think, you know, there've been times where Mark tried to go down the field uh, to Richards uh, on some deeper routes and it didn't work out for him. You know, the, the passes sailed and got intercepted. So he's, he's out there on the practice field every day. He's gone through these games now, five games with his personnel. And he's getting a little bit of an understanding, I think, of what they can do really well and what they can't do. And, and yeah, sometimes it's, it might look a little vanilla or whatever, but, like, look at the execution. Like, you know, when, exactly. when it's been money time. Exactly. I mean, 
Yeah, you have it's, to look at that execution when it's money time because, you know, you, you got to think these guys are going to get better every week. Just like your defense, your offense is going to get – I mean, come on, think about it. If you're throwing that many bubble screens, I mean, people say all the time, a quarterback's best friend is a tight end. Well, guess what? When the play starts, and you know that, if you have receivers like Daryl Langham that can go over the top or an Amart Richards that can blow the top off of defenses, when that happens, then you'll have a tight end in the middle of the field that can beat a middle linebacker. I mean, everything has a, a place in order. I mean, we just got to – people, if you, if you know football, you can see what's going on. He's going to have Malik throw these passes, these bubble screens to get his confidence up. So when he attacks downfield, it's going to be wide open. So, I mean, And all that is to say, if you know football, you know what's going on. You know you're not going to show your complete hand every game. You're not. So in every game, you're going to throw another wrinkle in. Here go another wrinkle. Here go. Now you got to worry about your tight end catching the ball. Now you got to worry about your receivers catching. Now you got to worry about I got a six five receiver going against a five nine DB. You got to worry. Now I got to worry about a running back that can catch the ball in the flats in the backfield coming out of the backfield. There are different wrinkles that they're only going to show when they have to. And true indeed. Our last couple of games came down to some great plays. Daryl Langham came in with my son. Know him, know his family, and that kid waited his time. But he's, if you look at his highlights from high school, he's doing the same exact thing he did in high school, high pointing the ball, going up as a big receiver, and making plays. So it's, it's, it's just fun, man. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm in Atlanta. And between me and my family, we're going down there. We're going to every game. Of course, it's his senior year, but we're enjoying the process. If you, and I hate to take up all this time, but you got to think. A lot of these guys, you play freshman football, sophomore football. They didn't start getting that acclaim until maybe their junior year, and then their senior year, they really showed out. So you got to give these kids time enough to develop all of them. All every every one of them, if you give them that time, they'll develop, and that's why you'll see in college and high school you have freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. So these guys that develop as a senior, like my son, guess what? Now that they become seniors in college, they're gonna develop and show that same um, uh, same thing that they showed in high school. It just happens. It develops at different times, and you got to sit back and wait on that. It's big. Miami's biggest problem is that so many people declare early for the NFL. It, it, it's and that's a problem for Miami because you don't have a senior heavy team. Whether it's high school, college, it could be park ball. When I when I coach uh, eleven and twelves. Your team is always better when you're senior heavy. And that's what we ran into this year. This year's team is senior heavy, 
you know, whether it's a red shirt senior or whatever, and you're showing the dividends of it. It's hard to say, sit, you know, I'm going to sit back and somebody's going to go undefeated and do this and this. The chances of it going undefeated, nobody should be realistic about that and say, we're going to go undefeated and win the ACC and the National Championship. Just enjoy every game. We're, we're going to lose some game. If we don't, that's a whole different story. But you got to think, you don't want to lose the games that you shouldn't lose. So, like I heard you earlier, you know, I've been listening all night. Yeah, Syracuse at the beginning of the year, no one thought that was going to be a real game. But coming off of beating the number two team in the country, you've got to take them serious. You go to North Carolina next, and they're down, but you can't take them for them. But then you have two hard games in Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. So, you know, you, you just got to play that season for what it is and just enjoy it. I'm sorry I'm yep. taking up a lot of time. No, you're absolutely right. One week yeah. at a time, enjoy every minute, week prepare for time. every game, do the best you can. And don't worry about my, how much time you're taking up. I'm sure there's nobody listening that minds about that. You're making great points <laughs> and bring and bringing a, a unique perspective. So, we, you know, we appreciate you yeah. calling in. We've, yeah. we've actually missed oh, you so no far problem. this year. Oh, yeah. So I, you can, I've called in from work. A couple times and, and couldn't talk, so I got you. All right, well, you going to come down this weekend? Yes, sir. I will be there Friday. This is big, and and uh, you know, of course, this is senior year, so which me and his mom are trying to make every game possible. But yeah, definitely, I'll be down there and uh, and, and love the reviews from from most of the fans. Um, but in 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 the tailgating scene. I mean, everybody is so positive and, and loving this. I mean, a lot of people made a lot of comparisons to the 2000-something team and this and the other. You got to think, our defense now, Georgia Tech was a setback. They run an unconventional offense. Our defense is really phenomenal. Our offense is going to figure it out. Our defense, man, it's, it's really our front seven is off the chain. Our linebackers, of course, have to stop shoulder hitting people and wrapping up, but man, I'm telling you, everybody's going to be in for a treat this weekend. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. All right, Mr. Herdman, well, thank you so much for calling in. Um, please do it again. We appreciate it every time you call, and uh, hopefully, they'll keep uh, getting the ball to Chris in those money times, and you know he's going to come through. Oh, thank you, Gary, and I appreciate everything you've said about him and. Uh, good and bad. Oh, I, love, I, I absolutely love him. He's nice, he's the nicest kid in the world. He's he, and, he, and he's so he's so he's money in the bank. I mean, he never disappoints, and uh, I'm sure it's a credit to all those hours you spent out in the front yard throwing him footballs. <laughs> oh, appreciate it, guy. I'll see you down there. Right, on, give, on Friday, I'll call you when I get down there. All right, give us a call on the show next week. We love when you call in. Take all care. Right, got you, buddy. All right, later. All right, Mr. Hunter. Bye, bye. Have a great night. All right, guys. Let me. Uh, before we get too much deeper, let me attack some of these questions that were submitted on the message boards on canesport.com so they don't get overlooked. Um, we were asked about the status of the injuries. That's always a big thing. Mark Rick hates talking about injuries, okay? Today, today when we asked him about injuries, he walked out of the press conference. It was kind of like in jest. It was a joke. But um, he doesn't want to talk about injuries until he has to, and they give out the injury reports on Thursday. But um, it looks to us like Amon Richards and, and Sheldrick Redwine 
have a decent chance to play this week. Uh, Redwine's coming off the concussion. They gave him the week off last week. He looks like he's feeling better and was out of practice today. Um, looks like Amon is going to try to go after sitting out last week. Not so sure about Delaney and Donaldson. I don't know that it's looking as favorable, but uh, we'll get a better idea when they when they put out the injury report on Thursday. Um, question, Gary, a gun to your head. What's the team's record if Brad Kaya came back? Are they still undefeated? Um, I'll say the record would be the same. Um, I think it would have been a different path. I don't think the games would have looked exactly the same, but I think the record would be would be the same. I really do. Um, you know, I think Brad Kaya, as a fourth-year quarterback, would have brought things to the table that Malik can't bring to the table. At the same time, I think the, the running threat of Malik – brings things to the table that Brad Kaya couldn't have brought to the table. So, you know, you put it all together, 5-0, and I think the team would have been 5-0 and anyway. Um, even if Amon Richards is 90%, do we think that it, keeping him in standby with the intent to rest him for more challenging occasions later in the season would be the smart thing? Didn't Syracuse prove on Friday that there are not more challenging occasions later in the season, that the only thing that matters is the present and the game that you have that week. So I think if Amon Richards can play, I think you're going to see him play. I, uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the week goes, goes along. But uh, I agree they need him healthy against Virginia Tech. They need him healthy against Notre Dame. But you also might need him healthy against Syracuse. You certainly could have used him healthy against Georgia Tech. So I don't think the, the coaches are at the point right now where, the, where they're playing that game. This is a conference game on Saturday. It's a team that's playing its best football. If Amon can go, I think he'll go. How many non-Miami caliber athletes from the Al Golden era are still on the team, and will they all be weeded out by the time 2018 recruits roll in? Um, I'll tell you, there really aren't that many left. Uh, you know, there's a few guys. You know, I think you look at uh, Terry McRae, who never sniffs the field. He's going into his fourth year. I'm sure they're trying to get him to graduation. If he graduates, you won't see him back next year, I don't think. Um, Bar Milo, I think, is only in year three, so I'm not sure about him. Jahair Jones, if they, if, if they can get him to graduation, you know, I, I think that uh, he's another one. You know, or these kids could decide to transfer because they have a chance to play somewhere else. You don't really know where their heads are. But I think they're getting pretty close to having weeded out the guys that can't play and cleaned up the roster. So, you know, we'll see. I'll get to a few more later. Uh, let's go back out to the phones. 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go to the 916 now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? That's you. 916, going once, going twice. All right, if you want to come on the show, you're going to have to call back. Let's go to the 954. 954, you're live on TeamSport Live. Are you with us? You can't talk to the wifey and come on the show. 954, going once. Uh, Yeah, I got to talk about that, Gary. All right. Hold on one second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Gary. You got to talk to us, not the wife. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Gary, I got a couple questions. 
Who's this first? My of questions all? are. Oh, this is Kate Breezy. Hey, what's up, Breezy? Kate Breezy. Hey, I man, got listen. Uh, first, uh, first, I'd like to say, um, can you tell me what year did we lose to Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl? Hmm. I believe. Let me just double check it just to be to be sure. <laughs> I want to say you talking about the game with the the fatigue game. Yes. Yes. Or the where where let's let's see where Vinny threw uh threw all those interceptions. Yes. Yes. Then we found out once he went to Tampa Bay, he was colorblind. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was insane, wasn't it? You really want to remember that, was, that game? That, well, well, the reason why I brought that up is because nineteen eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. That was yep. That was my inaugural year to becoming a Kane fan. Never forget. Uh, my sister was dating a young man, and he, she was older than me. And uh, he took me out to hang out with me as a baby brother to go and watch the uh, Kings play that night. And that was the first time I had ever really saw uh, the Kings play, and that was a disappointing loss. But from that time on, I, I was, I've been a Kane fan. I've been a Dahar, born and raised in Dade County. Um, I, I even have um, family members that, that, are, that are Hurricanes, uh, Happened to be married to uh, Roscoe Parrish's uh, sister, and uh, Sean Spence is my nephew. So you oh, know wow. I'm a big dog. I'm a big dog. And um, I, I just want to say my, my my thing is I'm I'm looking at how how we're uh, progressing at the defensive tackle. Uh, I heard you say that a couple guys shouldn't leave, and and I believe that's when. Miami has always been at their, their best when we've had uh, uh, great defensive tackles and, and defensive ends. Um, I, I'm just curious about uh, the, the freshman forward. I know he's a freshman, but, man, he, he looks to par, and, and I'm looking hopefully uh, in the future uh, he could be a dominant uh, defensive tackle for us. Can you uh, tell me a little bit what you think about him? I know he hasn't done much but you've seen him in person, and um, can you expound on that a little bit? Well, he definitely looks the part. I, I agree with you on that. Other than that, we haven't really seen him do much. I think he's working mostly with the scout team, but um, no doubt he that, that he looks the part. Okay, and, okay. You know, I, right. I, I, think D, I think DJ Johnson is eventually going to become a defensive tackle also. Okay, okay. Now, now somebody said something today about all of the defensive end offers that went out today. Um, as I look at the team uh, overall, I, I, D, um, uh, Jackson, first name, uh, Demetrius Jackson, um, he, 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 he was hurt a little bit in the beginning, but uh, I think if the Cans continue to have success, along with, uh, I think he came in with Chad Johnson, uh, he's really been productive. I think he's uh, maybe have three or four sacks and looking for that to go up, especially this weekend coming up. Um, I think he's probably one of the guys also that could be leaving because he's definitely uh, looks like he's going to have his degree being there four years. And I know he's a, a red shirt junior, if I'm not correct. Yeah, he won't, he won't leave early. You don't, you don't think that's a possibility? No, why would he leave early? He's not. I mean, he's not I mean, ready to go. I mean, to he's, he's not ready to go to the National Football League. Hmm. I mean, he'll 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 play okay. his last year. 
Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, hey, well, listen, we're, we're very excited um, about the team this year. My wife and I, we're, we're, we're at almost every game this year. Um, and we're season ticket holders. And, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, uh, a great season this year. Win, lose, or draw, we're, we're, we're excited about the team. We're excited about Mark Rick and, and, and the direction the team is going in. And, um, uh, we, you know, we're, we're very excited. Uh, I have one more thing that I wanted to also uh, say that uh, so the Notre Dame game, that's what I want to talk about. Got family members coming in for Georgia for the Notre Dame game, and, and I was very surprised that the tickets have really skyrocketed for that game. Uh, I guess it's because it's Notre, Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame, yeah. I mean, they they bring a lot of fans, and it's you know Miami Notre Dame, so you get a lot of people that want to go to the game that wouldn't normally go to home games, and mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you what do you expect? Sorry to cut you off. What do you, what, what do you expect? Uh, you you think we really could pack the house at Notre Dame game? It'll be sold out, no doubt. It'll be sold. It'll be sold out, especially if we go into that game uh, undefeated and they come in. Oh, yeah. I think they have uh, one loss. Even if even if they don't, if they're not undefeated, I think it'll be sold out. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Gary. That's all I have. This is Kate Breezy, and um, I'm enjoying the show. Keep me on hold. All right, Breezy. Thanks for being part of the show. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. We're down to the home stretch. If you want to come on the show tonight, hit the number one on your keypad. We'll get you on. Uh, let me give nine one six one more shot. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, that's you. Gary, how you doing, man? Who's this? This is Roland, man. Hey, what's up, Roland? We tried to bring you on a what's few wrong, minutes man? ago. You were talking to the girlfriend or something or the wife. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about Whichever that. Whichever one applies. Question now. Uh, I got a quick question now. As far as rec- recruiting is concerned, being in you know schools like LSU, uh, kind of Auburn, a lot of these schools are down. I mean, I think Miami has a huge chance of getting a lot of recruits, uh, especially out of uh, Louisiana, man, because uh, Oregon is a tremendous D-line coach. Yeah, I don't see him as a, as a head coach. Yeah, I don't see them in Louisiana that much. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that changes, but they're not really in Louisiana that much. So a lot, of, a lot of guys, man. You know that they they got to really, you know, get into the Orleans area and areas outside. So yeah, I don't think um, I don't think they're they're working that area this year very much. I don't I don't think I don't I'm trying to think I'm looking I don't see any recruits from Louisiana. I don't think anybody? there's no I don't think they're working Louisiana this year. Okay, and uh, what about uh? Uh, offensive line and D line. Any any guys just that you see that they? Because I think we need to, we definitely need depth on that on that O line. We need that that line could be a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic. You see any yeah, guys they're they're in? they're getting hard into the linemen now. Uh, I, I they've kind of like been, I think, wanting to evaluate guys in their senior years before they pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of that film study now and the offers are going out and, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out who they're really looking at and stuff. I mean, there's, but it's going to come into clear picture here over the next few weeks, I think. Okay. Okay. And uh, you think uh, Gray's going to get any more carries? Because, I mean, I know he got that one carry in the game. He, he, he looks, Depends he how the game 
I think it depends how the games go. I mean, I think they want to get him more carries, but when you're losing yeah. the whole game, like they were on Saturday and Travis Homer's playing the way he's playing, uh, how do you take him off the field, right? But let me ask you, let me ask you a question. It seems like we don't mix. I know, I know Rick. I mean, I understand Malik, Rozier, they're not going to really try to just, you know, open a playbook up like crazy. But I'm just wondering, you know, uh, if it, you know, do some screens, do just you know, kind of change it up a little bit, you know, just you know, make just make it a little bit more, um, um, you know, not conventional, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, a that's bit. what a lot of just people a, bit. a lot of people are saying that. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it'd be a good test to play uh, Syracuse this weekend because they, they up tempo, they pick the pace up a little bit. Um, I just uh, hope we come out with a little bit more, you know, a little more energy and the defense. I think, I think Chad, Chad Thomas. I'm expecting a little bit more from him. I mean, what you think about him this whole this whole season? It's been this way for career, four years. Been, uh, yeah, You're not like, going to get more. You're not getting more. I don't it is so what either. it is. No, he, he. I'll tell you. I think he had the ta- the tackle on the first uh, at the first three plays of the game. I think, from what I remember, and then he just disappeared the rest of the day. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it is what it is. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Gary. Just keep me on hold. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right. Let me uh, let me attack a few more of these questions. I, I do want to make sure I get them in. Um, can the team keep winning with the slow starts by Rozier and the lucky bounces at the end to win the games? Well, I mean, it's a tough way to go. That's for sure. You know, you could go to the well one too many times. You've heard that cliche in sports. But, you know, let's be honest. How many teams win every single game? You know, we're sitting here talking about the Canes going undefeated this year. Do you know what kind of odds that you could have gotten on that before the season started? So, you know, one like Mr. Herndon said, Enjoy it one game at a time, and let's see where it ends up and, and, and how it goes. But, uh, you know, obviously you'd like to start faster. You don't want to make it as tough as you can for yourself. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, what the heck are the Canes going to do in the secondary to survive the year? Well, we're going to find out Saturday, aren't we? Because this team is going to stress out the secondary quite a bit, I think. Uh, you know, this will be a, a good challenge for those guys. And hopefully Sheldrick Red, Redwine comes back and things are a little bit better. And I think Dee Delaney, w- when he gets back, he had straightened himself out. And there's hope back there. But uh, right now they're they're getting beat a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure what more we could really say about it. It's a play-by-play thing, you know. You just hope, you just hope they survive one way or the other. How would we grade the front seven this year? It seems like the linebackers are having a slow start to their big expectations. I don't think I don't think there's any doubt about it that the front seven has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, has not played up to expectations. We've seen it in flashes, I think, from everybody. I thought the defensive tackles played their best game by far against Georgia Tech. They were dominant. They were disruptive. They executed Manny Diaz's schemes to a T and were very impactful in that game. I think the ends have been so-so. They're not getting a ton of sack opportunities because teams are getting the rid of the ball so quickly. But like we just talked about, I'm disappointed that Chad Thomas 
isn't having a bigger senior year. I'm, you know, I, I'm surprised that Joe Jackson isn't making a more consistent impact. And the linebacker play, I have to admit, has been surprisingly kind of average. So big game this week, good challenge for them, and hopefully they got to get untracked against Syracuse. In hindsight, was the coaches did the coaches give in to Mark Walton's desire to play as opposed to keeping him out for a while so he could heal? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that they think that Mark Walton's one of their best football players, and uh, it's more than just running. It's about blocking. It's about blitz pickups. I'm not sure you get out of Tallahassee without what Mark Walton did in that game, picking up all those blitzes that Florida State was throwing at the offense. So, you know, no, I don't, I don't think in hindsight they would do anything differently. I think Mark Walton was a big part of the early part of the season. Now he's hurt. He's going to be out. And now you're counting on Travis Homer. And so far, he hasn't disappointed one bit. All right. We'll get to the last few questions in a moment. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show this evening. Um, we'll put that out as a last call. For tonight's show, let's go out to the 561. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo, Gary. Kane yes, Rob 40 here. What's up, man? Hey. Um, I just want to say it's a good us. season so far. Yep, go ahead. All right. Um, season so far. I had some uh, thoughts. Um, number one, uh, speed. I think we need more, like, with speed, speed, speed. That's the the Miami way. Uh, who are these two young? Uh, I forgot the names. The four stars, the the big recruits that we got. Uh, well, Pope, uh, Lingard. No, 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 man. No, 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 no. We gotta throw. To, we gotta throw more to Jeff Thomas, and we have to throw. Oh, on this year's team. Okay, Mike Harley. Yeah, we got to we got to throw well, more. To I Jeff mean, come Thomas on, they're, throw more they're trying to throw to him. He can't no, get they're open. Throwing, they're throwing a lot of the, the reason why we're not effective on offense is because they're throwing a lot of these slower guys. They had a bigger. But no, no, slower, come on. They've, they they have know, tried so. to get Harley the ball so many times. He can't get open right now, for whatever reason. I you know I just think he's not. He, he doesn't really know how to get open yet. He he doesn't. I would. He's not. He's take, not as explosive as he. Braxton Barrios is half the speed of those guys. Braxton not really. Is a, a slow guy. And they no, have not, on, on not really. Kick, kick not off really. And everything. Not really. That's not true. He's, he's slow, not that much look, slower. He's a smart guy. He, I, I'm telling slow. you, he doesn't have the top end speed of those two, but he's not that much slower. And, you know, you got to understand, it's also you have to know how to run routes. You have to know how to get open. Braxton Barrios has been doing this for four years. You, you ever watch how he runs routes? There's a reason why he's getting I don't open. see that well. Well, you're missing him, Dan, because he's, he's been unbelievable. The other, the other thing, the other thing I wanted to say is, these guys, they, they have these little, these little injuries. Uh, you know, they're a little bit soft. I don't want to say names, but you know, in football, you're going to have injuries. If you, if your hamstring is a little tight, he, he's obviously not that hurt. I mean, he could play. He's he's supposedly, you know, uh, a lot of these guys they could play. You know, I think they should they should make these guys play. If you're on the team and you have a scholarship and you're just, you know, you have a little, you're, you're a little nicked up or whatever, it seems like everybody's nicked up and they're not playing. 
guys play nicked up all the time. They're they're not playing if they're hurt. You don't have you don't have that problem on this team either. I mean, if guys are a little bit nicked up and they can play, they play. Look at Mark Walton. He was playing hurt in the Florida State game. And he tried to go, and he went for what a long Amon time. Richards? Like, like, Amon Richards, is, he, he decides to Amon play one game. Hamstring, and then, okay? and then oh, he that, doesn't feel good the other game. He doesn't, he's, he's like a prima donna. Well, he played. He got, he he played play. Dude, he played in the Florida State game as long as he could. Okay? His hamstring tightened up on him. If he had continued to play. His what? Wait a his minute. Ham, go back to the hamstring. tight hand. What is it? All right, dude, listen. You got you to gotta, so just listen, Okay. He played in the Florida State game as long as he could. His hamstring tightened up on him. If he had continued to play, he I don't might think have, that's a legitimate injury. He, well, know. then you don't know what you're talking about, and you also don't know what you're talking uh, about about Barrios. Hamstring? Dude, you okay. gotta listen. Well, if okay. you're gonna call the show, you gotta be you gotta be better informed. I'm gonna give you a chance to study up over the week. Give us a call next week. Thanks for being part of the show. I mean, come on, you're you're, you're sitting there t- talking about Mike Harley as opposed to Braxton Berrios, okay, who against Florida State, okay, Braxton caught eight passes for 90 yards. Against Georgia Tech, he caught six passes for 44. He's caught 14 passes over the course of seven days, okay? And I understand that he might not win a foot race against the the two true freshmen who have been – said that the, the displacing speed, but if they don't even begin to have Braxton Berrios's knowledge of how to play the game of football, how to get open, how to run precise routes, how to be where the quarterback expects you to be, how to maintain your concentration when the ball's in the air so that when it gets to you, you catch it. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I mean, you're playing with a couple true freshmen. You're trying to work them in. They are not ready yet. Okay, Jeff, Jeff Thomas looks a little bit more ready than Harley, but you see they really can't do a ton with him either. They they put in a couple plays here or there and, and um, you know, try to get him the ball deep, and it worked the other day, and hopefully it'll continue to work as the season goes on. But these are young kids. They're not anywhere near as seasoned as Braxton Berrios is. So, um, and, you know, guys playing hurt, if they can go, they can go. If you have a, a hamstring that's about to pop on you, if you keep going and you're the top receiver on the team and it's pretty important, that you're available to the team as much as possible over the second half of the season, you come out of the game, even though it was the Florida state game. And trust me, if Amon Richards could have gone, he would have been in there on the final series. Okay. Um, So I don't, you know, I don't know where that criticism is coming from anyway. All right. Last call. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, um, let me polish off these last couple questions, and then we'll uh, we'll see what's left in the queue. Um, based on some recent articles, the Canes are clearly more active in recruiting defensive linemen over the last week. Yes, they are. Um, why all of a sudden are they talking to kids who they haven't been talking to in the past? And you know. I think they always intended to be very active recruiting defensive linemen. And I think they, like I said earlier, they were waiting to evaluate some senior film and make sure that they're on the right guys. And they feel that Manny Diaz and Craig Kuligowski feel good about who they're recruiting. Uh, looks to like that happened in this past week. They put a lot of time in, in the film room and uh, gave out some offers. And I think that's why you're seeing more action there. 
Why also in recruiting are they after defensive ends? Um, team has been so stacked at defensive end. Chad Thomas and, and Trent Harris are leaving. Uh, it, you know, why are they recruiting defensive ends? Well, I mean, you lose those two this year. I think there's a strong chance that DJ Johnson eventually lands a defensive tackle. So they, they need to keep building the roster and they need to sign an end or two um, really this year. And I would say just about every year uh, because you never know what's going to happen and you got to keep your roster um, well balanced going through the seasons. And, uh, you know, I think that's the case with that. And lastly, does Michael Badgley make the kick if Mark Rick goes for the field goal instead of passing it to Daryl Langham on fourth and 10? Hmm. Well, I mean, it would have been a 60 yarder. Can he do it? Does he have the leg for it? I mean, if he hits it really, really right, right on the button, maybe he can go 60 yards. I think the longest he's kicked in a game is 57. I mean, at best, maybe it would have been a 50-50 shot. I mean, if we want to be generous, I think Mark Rick made the right decision. Uh, it was, I mean, let's face it, that pass to Blangham was a little bit of a prayer. It was underthrown. The Canes got lucky. I mean, they did. That was luck. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think you can argue that decision to go for the field goal either way. Uh, it, it would have been pretty, you know, it's always tough for a kicker to make a, uh, a 60 yard kick. So, you know, can't really, can't really dispute that one at all. All right, guys, I think we've, well, let me see. Nope. I've got one more. Let's go out to the nine, seven, three. You're live on Kane sport live. Oh, Garris, no, oh, no, no you've already been on. I'm that sorry. Got, that you've, got... you've already been on. All right. So, um, I think we've covered it for tonight. I want to thank everybody that called in. Thought it was a really good show. As always, Canes play Syracuse Saturday, 3.30. Another interesting ACC conference game. Mark Rick said today that he thinks that the ACC is as competitive as any conference in the country. And uh, it's kind of proven to be the case. I mean, when you're, you know, you got Florida State battling every week to win games. They just barely beat Duke the other day, lost to NC State, lost to Miami. Miami, life and death to beat Florida State and Georgia Tech. Virginia Tech already lost to Clemson. Clemson goes and loses to Syracuse. Louisville is a competent team. You know, they're struggling, you know, to win games, but they're always a dangerous opponent. So it's it's a pretty competitive conference. So look at Wake, the way Wake Forest has risen up this year. So Mark Rick might be right. It might be the most competitive conference in America, as a lot of people are starting to think it's become. And another one this Saturday with Syracuse coming to town on a high off of their upset of Clemson. So I hope to see a bunch of you out at the stadium on Saturday. Let's fill that place a little bit better than it happened last week. And we'll see if the Canes can rise up and go to 6-0 and and continue their move up the poles and continue making this an exciting season for everybody. I want to um, I want to thank mybookie.ag. Remember, if you like to bet on games, if you go make a deposit, they'll match it 100%. You use the promo code Kane to activate that offer. What that means is if you say you throw 100 bucks into your account on your first deposit, they'll, they'll, they'll back it with another 100 that you have the wager. They won't let you withdraw it until you bet a certain amount of money. But 
you know, they're not just giving handing you a hundred dollar bill, but it's still a good deal. Gives you extra money in your account to play games. And, um, you know, I also want to thank the folks at the startup.com for being a sponsor of Kane sport live all season long. That's the company created by Kane's fans where they only hire Kane's fans and they try to make your business more successful and better. Check out their website. So until next Tuesday night at eight o'clock, I want to wish everybody well. See you out at the stadium. Good night, everybody. 